welcome everybody to season two bookend. Oh my gosh. We, we made survived. It. You did it. You fucking did it. You made it through book two. It only took us a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try to be faster. I, no, it's, it, it's fine. It took exactly as much time as it needed to. A lot of people rush through travel sequences and long distances and stuff, and I didn't. We had some fun. We yeah. did. Like, if you look at it, it was like, okay, so we spent, like, what, a good year just traveling to White Throne? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we did. Actually, yeah. once we got into White Throne, it was, like, one thing after another, fast pace, yeah. no problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's the yeah. traveling that took the most of season two. Imagine it. if we'd just hand-waved and were like, and then you traveled to White Throne. Yeah. How boring. How It'd be nonsense. so weird. That would, weird. It would just be weird. Yeah. Anyway, here we are. Here Hello, bookends. <laughs> uh, we, we did all survive. We, you did. We but did all did. survive this time. How dramatic would it have been, though, if one of us had gone down when that golem exploded? Oh. Like, that death rattle thing would have yeah. been so cool if it took somebody down. But that would have been really cool. I don't know that it's a spoiler. Um, literally, no one else would have been threatened with death by this, I learned when I put your level information up on our website, the hit point havers. <laughs> uh, but Vasilisa almost died when the hailstorm happened. Oh, oh, yeah. If Valdine hadn't showed up or she hadn't pulled out the dogs to distract Najena, Vasilisa very much almost died in that fight. Yeah, you were it at was risk. Yeah, bad. You were, you were close. That, I thought I thought for sure that Vasilisa, was, yeah. I was going to kill her um, after Najena put up the ice wall. That's comforting to hear. Yeah. No, I was like, she's. Well, this is happening. She had a good run. She did. Yeah. You know what? If anywhere she's gonna die, it's probably gonna be Irison. Yeah. She's always known it. Um. So yeah, bookends. We go over questions that the players have had, um, or that I might have for the players. Anything they want to ask me. Anything Mm. that you guys want to ask us. Uh, we have a beautiful list of questions from our listeners that have been submitted um, nice. through various social medias and such. Uh, in total, we have uh, 25 questions. So that's really good, actually. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it is. It is very awesome. Um, I'd like to, I think, start, though, with you guys. Like, what questions do you have? I have a question. Yeah. We kind of assumed it was possible that we were spotted in some way while we were in the Pale Tower. Najena said something at, when we confronted her that made it clear she recognized us. Yeah. How did Najena know who we were and what did she know about us? It's a mix of different animals. I've seen you guys, the elemental in the bottom that saw oh, you shit. guys. <laughs> right? Um, just kind of like, like all yeah. the guards people that we yeah. didn't kill. Kinda it like. was very clear who you were from the guards that saw you when you were leaving the tower. And after that, it's just like, oh, yeah, these people weren't here. Then they were seen leaving the tower, and my apprentice was dead. And, and let's face it, we're pretty easy to recognize. We That's don't exactly true. fit in. <laughs> they they know Bolka by name. I fit in just fine. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So be- between that and then also like, if needed, she could have like spoken with the dead Ratasek. That's right. She is a witch. Damn yeah. it. <laughs> so there's there's resources there that she definitely would have pulled. Um, I didn't do roles or anything to decide that. I'm just like, yeah, there's there's enough witnesses there. Yeah. And there's enough yeah. like high level resources that she would have a very good idea of who you guys are and kind of what you're capable of. 
So how how famous are we just in the world of Arizon? Not <laughs> super famous. <laughs> We're climbing the ranks. You're climbing there. the ranks. You're becoming a notable problem. Yeah. Um, I mean, you guys took down basically like a local small town stronghold, which yeah. is fairly notable. And the only reason why it's extremely notable is because the uh, proprietor of the stronghold was also in White Throne. Um, so they knew you specifically, but I'm not sure many other people would have been able to see your faces and go, hey, them's the fucks that destroyed my tower. Fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's a bit of a coincidence, quote unquote, um, but it's totally built that way into the book. That, yeah, Jenna uh, Vasilyovna is there guarding the chicken hut. And it is, oh my goodness. These people are the ones that destroyed my tower. It's a nice little tie-in, I think. It's yeah, good yeah. to have that kind of closure. I mean, the other option, which I think would She's have been a lot easier there. for the book to go with, is that Najena Vasilyevna is at the tower when you guys go and confront it. Mm. Like, there's not really another reason for her to not be there other than it's a thread to tie in later on in the book. I'm not going to lie. I kind of assumed that she was going to be traveling back to the tower and that she would be an encounter between mm. the pale tower and white throne that would have been interesting that was that was the whole t- the whole travel time i was waiting to be ambushed by a witch yeah in the snow she was gonna oh, pop yeah. out of the sure, snow they know where we are they can see us through their eyes I just, yeah. <laughs> just like i was waiting that whole trip why, they, why yeah. can they just pick us off did you, you might shoot me down so you can't tell me but i kind of want to know did mook uh survive the chaos Oh, yeah, Mook's out there. Yeah? yeah. Good. He's out there, That's living his best goblin That's life. That's good to know. And I'm not even going to ask because I'm assuming that uh, Rangier, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. assuming that Rangier is he's probably fine, too. He's a tough guy. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah, he could be fine. <laughs> Gary could also be fine. Oh, no, Gary. Uh, <laughs> I thought Gary was doing like administrative stuff. I'm waiting stuff for the twist where yeah. Gary's completely fine, but someone murdered his wife and children, and we're just like, why, what? James? Oh, going to make a note why? for later. <laughs> Don't give him ideas. He just has the chart of terrible things, and he rolls to oh, see which no. ones are which true. Which terrible thing is going to happen? <laughs> Not the chart of terrible <laughs> things. Uh, <laughs> that all jams have. Yeah. <laughs> Your charts are extraordinarily well organized. Yeah, I can't, I, I can't stand up to that. There's no way. I thought about it and I'm like, no, I'd have to re-listen to everything. <laughs> and I like, just start my notes over from scratch. Oh. I can't keep track of how many you rounds of combat who rolled high, how many zeros. No, yeah, no, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. Yeah, it's it. You set it up for a high jump or a pole vault, and I'm just gonna limbo. So I'm just gonna walk under the bar, not really worry about it. No, I don't even fine. have to duck. I, uh, I'm just one of those really, really weird, weird people. No, <laughs> creepy. No, you're not really, really creepy. weird. You're extremely thorough, and that's a good thing. I notes are amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, let's see. Time. What else happened on the journey? You guys ran into uh, the wooden lady mm-hmm. and the I liked her whole thing. Evil mm-hmm. mind controlling moss man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, her whole thing was great. It was fun. It was, was wonderful. Was that all book? That was all book, yeah. Nice. Wow. So the that book just thing. has a running fey human romance theme. Mm-hmm. It does. They're trying, yeah. Yeah. They're trying to establish a theme, I think. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. and then you know, the mom and her uh, yeah, son. And her... Yep, that's all in the book. I didn't nice. do much. The only real thing I added was uh, Herbert, um, which was at special request of our executive producers, which is a perk that you can get if you're an executive producer. You can like give me an NPC 
idea and I'll work it in. Um, and I really drug that out. Um, How that much year. of Herbert do you regret? None. <laughs> <laughs> Herbert's beautiful. I was afraid you were going to say that. Yeah. No, so the, the whole like green space is in the book. It's like, yeah, they come across this green space and they walk across it. It's just and meant it's to make weird. us go like, and oh, there, there's nothing in the actual adventure to explain why it exists and why it's there. No, there's like one yeah, check yeah. you can make to be like, oh yeah, this is a thing that sometimes happens. Um, <laughs> but how scary! Think about what we went through in book one, where we're walking through the yeah. weird silent forest with the little effigies hanging. Yeah, oh, it just feels yeah. like that, but it's not. But as if it's that same party going through it in book two, like, yeah, they're going to be paranoid. Like, yeah. 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 eerie, eerie all yeah. around. It was, it was suspicious at first. Oh, absolutely! But I wanted to expand that because I thought that was a really interesting section yeah. that had room for exploration and actual yeah, that fit um, well. world building I and thought. that's also where we were able to get some more you know insight into Valdeen and his mm-hmm. background and all yeah. that fun that stuff. That was really yeah. good. That was really really good. That was a really nice shining moment for Valdeen I felt. Yeah. Like yeah. a really great moment of, of just character development and like background reveal it just it was so <laughs> Good. It, it was, was so poignant. It was fun for me doing because it gave me a chance to be really immersive and be like, okay, I have to make it sound like we're going to a different, you know, we're in yeah. a dream. It's another plane or another world. I have to make it feel otherworldly. Yeah. And then coming up with the sounds to like bring it back and then like gently bring back in the birds that were tripping and just mm-hmm. re- it gave me a chance to really play with the sound design. Yeah, the audio was nice. beautiful. In mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. really mm-hmm. was. Oh, but I, I loved what you came up with at the forest and Herbert and everything inside yeah. of that because. Paizo does that, where they give you this thing that feels like it should have more information to here's go a, along with it, and it does not. And right. they, they, I think they <laughs> do that setting. on purpose, which yeah. is something I really appreciate. There's to like, hey, here's, here's a vague idea of what is happening. Here's one or two little tidbits, but they never give the players ways to actually discover that. And I think it really is Paizo setting up the game masters for homebrew and yeah, world building yeah. in their version of the story. And I feel like it's enough. They give you enough that yeah. you don't have to work too hard at it. And what ends up the, the final result of that is you can look back on here this 38-page book or whatever and like, hey, this was two years of playtime. Yeah. We got out of these 38 pages. Yeah. Like, which yeah. is really cool. Expansive. It's pretty yeah. wild. For you, sure. just have to, you just have to stretch the dough a little bit on your own, but it's not that, it's not yeah. that much. <laughs> now, you said the green space elaboration with Herbert was the only big thing you did, but you're completely forgetting Olsgaard. Yes. No, so, yeah, I was, so I was that's, that's, that's the, that that's yeah. the, yeah, that's the other big thing that I did. Everything else I felt, I'm pretty sure was by the book, but, but yeah, the whole Olsgaard section, I was just like, Haunted I changed it. I changed it because in the book it is completely different. It's you guys are walking through this old town and you see these two priests in like a broken down uh, church, and then you get closer, and they're not actually priests; they're Hukiva, and you have to kill them, and that's it. And I'm like, that's really boring. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. Why would we go through this very obviously haunted place? Mm. This is a normal path. Why would people take this instead of walking around the village? why do we have to go through here when this is a well-known thing? And so I orchestrated it so that it could have been a choice to knowingly go through a haunted area and that would be, okay, so how do I force them to go through the village? It is a village in the middle of a ravine and they have to go through the village to get through the ravine. And then the alternative of that was you guys need to be sneaky and work your way through a 
heavily guarded checkpoint or you have to fight your way through it. And I think those were the three options. And I'm like, that makes sense for the world. Yeah. Because I don't want to railroad you guys into going somewhere. It feels like there needs to be a choice. And I think the only way other people would make that choice to avoid the village is to be like, yeah, we'll just go through the bureaucracy of it. It does also feel weird the more I think about it. The way it's set up in the book, how for literally thousands of years did two basic Yukiva survive and nothing in Eurison exactly. put them down? Yeah, there there, yeah. there was a lot of yeah. things about how they writ Ulsgard in that I was like, eh, I don't love this. I, I don't think this makes they were sense. just waiting for Boca. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I was like, yeah, because they're just regular Hukiva. Like, this is something adventurers would have taken yeah. care of a long time ago. They don't resurrect or anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I came up with the very complicated mechanic of time hopping and alternate dimensions. So many things to make it make sense in my mind. Speaking of all of the the things that you did with Olsgard, how is that coming? Huh. The Olsgard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Module. Yep. It's coming. Do, <laughs> Done. Do we have any, like, words for the, our Patreon patrons it's, about that? It's it's working, coming on it. Yep. I am. My goal is to have it done by the end of the year. Uh, and I think I will be able to get it done before then. But I have maps done. I'm working on a lot of descriptions. I just need to work out the actual chain of mechanics. Right, I don't, the quest line. I don't want it to sound like I'm calling out James for being super duper late on this. I just want to reassure our Patreon patrons. If you have ever been at the $10 tier or higher yes, at any time since <laughs> December of last year, yep. as soon as this is done, you, get you it. will James get it. James will come yeah. and perform this AP <laughs> for you. <laughs> He'll run your game. Yeah, and if, and if you haven't been a $10 patron um, and you want it, guess what? Just join the $10 patron mark at any mm-hmm. point going forward and you will have access to it because it is in our periodic table of content. But Elizabeth has to ask about this because she's the public face. Yeah, she's the yeah. it's, it's <laughs> like, smart. It's a good reminder. Yeah, everybody out there, I'm going to be putting out the Olsgard module, um, but I want it to be really good because I want to keep making modules and I want this to be something that, yeah, I want to keep releasing these to our patrons because I think it's a really cool pull. And I'm definitely going to go with one that's way less complicated <laughs> for my next one. This one is definitely yeah. over ambitious yeah. uh, for my first module, but it's going to be fucking good. Yay. And if it's not, you can tell me and I'll tweak it. So yeah. Yeah. other things, yeah, the fish camp village, obviously rain gear was supposed to be human. <gasps> obviously. Uh, some of the NPCs and stat blocks and descriptions were interesting. The mirrormen, I'm pretty sure they weren't able to talk at all, even psychically, oh. which also didn't make But it sounded cool. S- it sounded so cool. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't make sense to me that they would be completely silent. It kind of makes it, a lot eerier if yeah. they're fully silent though like it just you're being investigated you. but you can't do anything about it yeah you can't prove your innocence because they're just There's gonna no stare at you and that's it yeah. and you're yeah. just like why are they staring at me they won't even tell what am i suspected of what should i do <laughs> like the panic would be next level yeah Still, I like the way way to get a lot of people incarcerated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, There's there's no investigation. They just they're like the security cameras of White Throne. The way that their kind of rules as written. Interesting. I like what you did with that. Yeah, yeah. I I really like what I did with the Mirrorman. I thought that was nice. 
Any other questions? That was we glossed over a lot. Well, I I have a question. I don't know if you, we want to talk about it now or just simmer think about it. But I'm really curious if anything from the horror reading that started out book two ended up had doing anything or having oh, any influence or what. Absolutely. Like, mm. how did that play out? Yeah, did you actually use like GM make decisions level? Based on was there anything? Cards? Um, yeah, I, I didn't work it in as much as I wanted to. And a lot of that comes down to just not having the time to be able to put into the long game of figuring out um, the different card readings and how to work those in and how to have it affect it. I, I did a little bit, though. Um, Valdine being the unicorn uh, was pretty instrumental, I feel, in you guys actually getting into White Throne, specifically with... The, the, the guard. guard that was infatuated with him. Yes. <laughs> that was going to be one of my questions. Yeah. She had, so, an itch. She had a little itch. Yeah. It was, it was this, this idea that Valdine is, uh, let's see here. You had the unicorn, right? Um, and the unicorn actually came up in the reading in the mm-hmm. positive future was really good for you as being kind of instrumental in getting into the city is where I read it. Because whenever we do these card readings, I always kind of try and pull things into whatever timeline it is. So if it's in kind of the future section, it's going to happen later in the book. Um, If it's in the present, it's more thoughtful. And then if it's in the past, I actually use that to work out some backstory um, for somebody or something in some way so that it is very indicative of, yes, this thing happened in the past and it's affecting them in this way, or maybe it's a secret, but Valdine being the unicorn was big. Okay. So what is the the full meaning of the unicorn? Like what's the... These are my notes uh, on what it is, and I'm sure Elizabeth has something completely different written down um, as the resident card reader. What I have is the unicorn has a piece of fruit on their horn. They are offering the fruit, so uh, whatever Valdine is looking for or Valdine is generously offering something to someone that they are looking for, and if it is misaligned, be wary of what is being offered. I liked that there were actually multiple moments over the book where like the the question of the reading for book two we decided ultimately was kind of a charisma based one. Valdine has the lowest charisma score in the yeah. group, but he was the one that had a charisma roll card come out that was the positive future. Yeah, I think it works out a lot too because book two really gave Valdine time and scenarios to shine and come through and develop the character a lot more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that isn't me consciously doing it, but it aligns very well with the unicorn. Uh, like being a good spotlight on Valdine, I think he had the most significant backstory reveals and character development and like this obvious spotlight of developing the, the quiet lone wolf mercenary into being a complex, emotionally driven person. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. It was a you did a lot great. of fun. Well, you did absolutely great with it. If you think of it in terms of gifts too, like Valdine literally had the chance to lose his confidence first going into it and then lose his gun, which is another hit to his confidence. Yeah. And then he was able to prove that he's capable enough of getting new tools and moving forward and he ended up with the new unicorn gun mm-hmm. in a stronger position than he was before and 
gave the gift of getting into White Throne with his charisma that he doesn't have. So I'm like <laughs> pretty spot on. And then with the hut, it was another moment where Valdine, who's typically going for the combat and low charisma and is being that unicorn possibility. And he's doing a move in combat that isn't just combat. And I feel like that fits really well with what the reading was and with Mm -hmm. his arc over book two. Yeah. Yeah. He's had had a few moments. Some good ones. Good arc. Yeah. Yeah. The other person that had a really good arc this season was obviously Marge. And Marge, oddly, her arc actually ended up being really in keeping with her role card Mm -hmm. because she had the courtesan, which is all about having one face that you're presenting to everyone and your internal face that might (laughs) be less pretty. Marge did a lot of masking this season, but it was apparent to the audience what was happening because we have that kind of introspective moments with Marge um, just on her own and the actual role playing and processing. Yeah, All of her intros were always geared Mm -hmm. towards getting a a sneak peek inside of her internal. Yeah. Yeah. The the ability to actually do a monologue against the fourth wall was huge. And I think that really showed her progression throughout this, which has been utterly powerful. Um, But I feel like this season really shined for Marge and Valdine in particular Mm -hmm. with their character development. And that, that's not to say that Vasilisa and Bulga didn't have character development, but I think well, that fine. they still had very <laughs> poignant, uh, powerful moments. Yeah. But in, in terms of like just the expressiveness and the vast character development, I think it was Marge and Valdine all the way. I do want to say I really loved that Bulka's card was the theater, mm-hmm. which is all about seeing things for what they really are. And the entire season, for most of the season, he was wearing a cursed ring because we yeah. hadn't seen it for what it yeah. really was. Yeah. And Love it that was ring. Right. That's good. And so it's all about him putting on a show. Yeah. But by the end of the season, learning to better recognize when other people are putting on a show as well. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was really fitting. I did like the the negative future that we avoided by trusting Valdine hmm. and relying on him for that positive turn was going to be the snake bite, which is about like friends turning against each other in a really toxic way. Yeah, and we saw hints from Marge's anger and yeah. Bulka its loyalty to the people of Irisin mm-hmm. over the oath quest that we have and Vasilisa just wanting to get this shit done. Mm-hmm. That it was partly Valdine balancing all of that out. Mm-hmm. Valdine was a really good voice of reason. But it was really that we all came together as a group. Yes. And even though we had hints of times where we might have split up or argued. There, there were definitely we, times where I thought the party was going to split. And you guys did a really good job of keeping yourselves together and on task and working as a group, which I'm really proud of. And we avoided that negative future. Even if you look at it, we... We kind of split when we had the Yakubina ghost experience. Yeah. And it's when yeah. we brought Valdine in to help us out with this shit that we pulled it together. <laughs> you know, it's the group as a whole coming together mm-hmm. to avoid that negative future yeah. where we break apart. So I yeah. thought that was a nice overarching theme for the book, too. Yeah. Yakubina. Yakubina. <laughs> um, 
Any other questions? Anything else you guys want to... I want to jump into the listener oh, questions. Yeah. I'm, the listener. I'm excited. I'm ready for um, some listener questions. Good. So starting off the wonderful Ellie. We love um, you, Ellie. We love you, Ellie. We love you, You're Ellie. so good. You always have the best title suggestions. Yes. Not to minimize other people's title suggestions, but, but I have a fondness <laughs> for Ellie's. Yeah. Ellie's she suggestions are great. She's consistently on there. Yeah. Yeah. It's We love Ellie. Um, Ellie asks... What is Bolka's whole deal? Race, class, etc. And this is something that somebody else asked uh, to, I believe. Yeah, it was asked in a, uh, a different way. Also by Casual Chaos. <laughs> uh, does the cast know what Bolka actually is or what the unflavored is? Do you ever plan to actually reveal it or say what it is for the cast or the audience? So we can answer Ellie's by answering what are Casual you? Chaos. Is, which, yes. Is, yes. Yeah, which is, yes, I think the, the cast does know yes we do and the the whole deal but the second half of chaos's question is no bulka has no intention of of telling the rest of the party his whole deal which is that he is actually an asimar does he know he does not know yeah which is why that's why he he can't tell the party yeah he honestly thinks he's a dwarf he thinks he's just kind of a tall dwarf yeah Mm -hmm. but when we built him we built him as an asimar which is a, a, a a creature that is part angel has angelic good uh, blood was divinely created. Uh, He was specifically divinely created to help get his parents as part of an adventuring party. They weren't even having sex at the time. Yeah. Um, But they were part of an adventuring party that was trapped in a, like trapped in a cave system for a Mm -hmm. long time. They didn't know it, but this was part of another cleric's plan, an evil cleric's plan to guiding them down there. Um, and he was his conception uh, was was meddling, basically was God meddling to try and get this Torag loyal party up uh, yeah. uh, to succeed in their mission, uh, and that's the only reason he exists. But he has no idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, only I do, wow. and the players at the table know. That's mm-hmm. his whole deal. With yeah. respect to Bolka's class, we've kind of let slip what the multi class is, but I don't think we've delved into the details of it yeah well it was a level dip it was well technically technically not a level dip because it was like at his birth he he, that's why he has one level in oracle is because of the conditions of his birth Mm -hmm. but ever ever since then and and anything he's like leveled up in studied paid attention to it's been religion it's been studying yeah torag and bulka and so he's been a cleric from then on out it was just that first level. and i do have to say i love that so much that you are you're basically like born to be an oracle but you chose to be a cleric yeah that's beautiful (laughs) it's wonderful it's this whole idea about prophecy and preordained destiny and i think for bulka too like the oracle curse you have Right? Mm-hmm. Have um, we revealed his oracle? No, because I feel like no. I don't it's, know it. It's also never come up, which is the thing. So curious. It's gonna be so fun. Book yeah. three, Bulka. Book three, Bulka. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that. Yeah. Calling it now. Ooh. So that's oh, wait. what's up with. Oh Bulka. my god, my, my new theory deal? is that Bulka's turning into a lich. It's probably not that. The lich oracle <laughs> is my favorite. That's one of the curses, guys. Oh, so read no. all of the read all of the oracle curses. We want to hear what are your guesses? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, that's Bulka's good. Oracle. Yeah. There's been some hints. There's what been kind some hints. Of oracle is he? Let us know what literally you think. this episode. <laughs> episode. Yeah. There, there's been some oh. things and some lines dropped that are uh, you. You could put two and two together. Maybe, um, maybe if you're smart. If, if you're, Sherlock Holmes is one of our listeners. Yeah. He got, oh my he got, god. No, he got it a long do time ago. Do that sure. deductive reasoning that is actually inductive reasoning. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> but the halo is a pretty much a, a pretty clear giveaway, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a pretty clear giveaway. And being able to shoot light out of his hands. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. He gets that from his. Yeah. That's a feat you can 
only take if you're Asmar. Yeah. So yes, he's an Asmar. That's his whole deal. I think that's I think that's what Casual Chaos meant when they said whole deal. Or yeah, they just meant like so. his hair or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What's so, his whole what? deal? What? Yeah, so the, the, deal the, the other thing that hair. I think a lot of people glance over when they are selecting races is that Asimar specifically has content written in it that it's like, yeah, an Asimar doesn't have to be half human. It's the you most know, common by it's far. It's the most common but, by far. But mm-hmm. mechanically what they do is they say, yeah, the Asimar can be half whatever and still have like this angelic touch Mm -hmm. but you will always play the base stats as if they were asimar human here's a good one that i think you guys are all going to want to know why did touching the shackle make the house nuke the witch yes i was going to ask that and then i saw a fan had a question so i didn't i mean i have a i have a a christmas i have valdez unicorn Mm -hmm. first off Mm -hmm. second off he's a black rider that's what my thought is, is yes, that, that is it. we are on the same side as it. the hut knows yes. who yeah. we are. I just assumed it's, that it's the, less, hut and the witch was an enemy. Is at in some way like an awakened intelligent object and that it really fucking had built up resentment against it was Najena. Very angry. It's yeah. It's yeah. And it was yeah. like the magical shackle was keeping it from, from doing, doing magical things. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's what, what I said thought to, yeah. That's what uh, Bolka and I had the same thought. Well, I had two thoughts. I like my other thought better, which was that uh, when you freed it, your that your purest, truest Christmas wish in your heart was to like just nuke, nuke the no, witch, uh, and so it did it for you because it was your will. <laughs> but it makes more sense. That Thank it would you, be, Chicken Hut. <laughs> <laughs> it makes more sense that it would be. Uh, I'm sorry. I need one of our audience to be like an an anime artist and to do the animated anime style sequence of Valdine freeing the chicken hut and being like, do it, chicken hut. And then the chicken chicken hut does the flying dramatic flying. (laughs) It's got the like never ending attack I really desperately want to see the anime version of all of our characters now, especially Valdine. Like picture like anime style oh, he's dimension door. so sexy. Oh, that'd be good. All right, if any of our <laughs> audience does anime style art and you want to reach out to us and tell us how much it would cost, <laughs> anime dimension door will just make me smile. See, oh, I, so I want to see Marge. I want to see this little rat folk slicing somebody right? in half in a dramatic like, oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm waiting uh, for Asmar Bolka. Yeah. Like, anime style with a halo <laughs> no, appearing out of nowhere. The like, anime and halo. The, the right. light coming with out of like my hand. The, yeah. yeah. And then oh. just fire all around. It just reminds me of Vampire Hunter. <laughs> Everything <laughs> being lit on fire. Bloodlust. <laughs> yeah. No, but like with the floating cards and oh, things. Yeah. I want it to be like that when Vasilisa does combat in the Dimension Door anime, it's like you're watching Yu-Gi-Oh. And it's just like <laughs> cards, spells, whooshing across things. <laughs> that's nice. not how it is, but that's how it will be in the anime. Obviously. Yeah. In my oh, mind's eye, that's how it is. <laughs> Do we have a next question? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we didn't answer it. We oh. need James's definitive GM yes. answer. Yes. Oh, because there's other fun stuff uh, happening there. Um, I'm going to just read some stuff out of the book because it is very yeah. interesting. Uh, the shackles binding the hut are incredibly strong. Not even the hut itself can break them, and they cannot be destroyed by mortal means. <gasps> Fortunately, the PCs possess some measure of Baba Yaga's own power in the form of the Black Rider's mantle. If a character with the mantle of the Black Rider touches the hut shackles, 
the chains shatter, freeing the hut. Now, the chain themselves were a magic item that also composed of dimensional anchor, which prevented the hut from using any of its supernatural abilities. Ah. Yeah. The hut itself is an awakened construct, CR 17. Whoa. It has a full stat block, health, spells, oh, all of this man. stuff. Don't make um, it mad. <laughs> and, and yeah, don't piss oh, off the fucking boy. hut. Uh, it's it's a nightmare machine. It's beautiful. CR seventeen. We could have to come back and fight it in book six. I am. Yeah. How did they capture? Doked. This is why I'm scared of Queen Elvana. Yeah. She captured the motherfucking hut, guys. She killed all of the writers. What? So once you guys free it, basically, it's like, hey, it can use abilities now. It was able to nuke. Najena because it has blind sight for 120 feet. <laughs> yeah, it does. Nice. I, I mean, it's a hut. It doesn't have eyes. It's so it great, makes sense. guys. This stat block is fantastic. <laughs> AC is 34. It has 188 hit points. Whoa. Its will save is 17. Reflex save 21. Wow. It has it evasion. Makes... It's an immortal structure. DR 15 adamantine. Immortal structure. DR 15 adamantine. Ouch. It's oh, immune to gaze attacks, visual effects, and illusions, and sight-based attacks. It has spell resistance 28. You're writing this down, right, Elizabeth? So that way when book six comes and we're fighting we're it, we know. <laughs> we'll be like, guys. Don't forget. Do Don't you forget. have the adamantine weapons A yet? speed of 60 feet. Wow. Has two claw attacks at plus 38 to hit. <laughs> A slam attack. Oh, Reach wow. of 15 feet. Holy crap. Fast swallow, swallow hole, trample. Dimensional Wait. anchor, freedom of movement, irresistible dance, in the front blink, door, dimension <laughs> door, incendiary cloud. Holy crap! It has a strength score of thirty-seven. Oh, that's a house. That's fair. it. Has charisma of twenty-five. What? Wisdom of twenty-seven. It's a sexy house. Its combat maneuver bonus is a forty-two. Its CMD is a sixty-four. That's beautiful. Wrestle the house. It understands <laughs> all languages. Grab it by the leg. <laughs> Okay. All languages, even Druidic. Lisa needs to take notes. Yeah, it does. It and be that. like, so here's here's okay, the other thing. Goals for renovating Theodora's cottage when I get home. <laughs> all of these stats. So all of these stats points. are given here in book two. What? There are actual mechanics for piloting the hut and controlling the hut, yep. which are only given in book three. What if we go on a rampage through White? Which is why I kind of gave. <laughs> you guys the connection because the hut knows you are friendly the hut <laughs> operates off of the same base magic as baba yaga which is inside of you guys so i allowed you guys to kind of be like you can will the hut to turn in this way or move in this direction but as soon as the hut was freed like it fucking knows who imprisoned it it is an awakened construct it knows like who the enemy is it knows that it is in danger it knows that these people that are helping it Escape, who also have the magic of Baba Yaga, are also in danger. Yeah, it's going to go fucking ham. Yeah. It's going to fire that. an incendiary cloud at the invisible witch that has been keeping it held here for... So in round one, it. if Vasilisa had, had used her lightning teleport to go to the shackle and just touch, touch, touch it, just the shackle, oh it would have ended everything. Yes. It, it would have been over so fast. It would have been over Game a lot quicker. Over. But it's like, it's wow. nothing that you guys could have known. That's yeah. true. Good job, Valdine, jumping in there the, and doing both, that. Both wow. The shackle broke... <laughs> The dimensional yeah. anchor placed on the hut, freeing it and allowing it to just 
do what it's meant to do, which is protect itself and Baba Yaga and her chosen. Okay. Well, I'm glad that's watching out for us right now. Right? <laughs> for, the yeah. moment. for the moment. For the moment. Yeah. You guys are aligned. We'll establish a neutral, you know, separation of parties with Baba <laughs> yeah. Yaga once we're done. Some yeah, accords. Uh, we'll write up yeah. some accords. Yeah. And, and speaking of the hut, the next question that is great is talk more about the whole hut, hut, hut thing. Was that Ooh. something that came up earlier that I forgot about? How did David know about that? Let's talk about that because David, I really want to hear where you pulled that from because okay. that is beautiful. And then I want Elizabeth to talk about it. And then I want to talk about it uh, in that order. So, so David, start us off. So I'll kick it off with, um, I thought of the uh, the Witcher mm-hmm. and the whole hut thing going on in the Witcher. Yeah. And that's what made me think of it. And I was like, well, I've heard this legend before yeah. i've heard the, the whole baba yaga idea yeah. before in other shows and other uh, other lore and so i thought i remember hut 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 that was all i remembered yeah so in my head i'm like okay well valdine could logically he could know this because he's gone traveling for so long with the Varesians and yeah. the whole like kind of the way i tied it into it's it's his a past experience. yeah it's, it's a it. it's a story it's and a legend him only knowing the per- first part not remembering the rest also fit Sounds for right. yeah, it was like so good though that it was so perfect that kind of just tracked and so i'm like okay well, i'll just throw this out there yeah I'll see what james does with yeah it, it was this good. doesn't go anywhere i was such totally a good fine I, I you dropped that bread and i was like ooh, yummy yummy yum, yum, yum. <laughs> i thought i'm gonna it would use land. this shit so yeah it landed it landed really good also the logistics of the fight did not really give me a clear next step of what to do mm-hmm. at any real point. Mm-hmm. So I was grasping for straws and trying to think of something else to try. Yeah. Which ended with some yeah. vocalization of something. Yeah. To see what happened. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh, David already hinted at it, but the whole hut, hut, hut phrasing and the continuation of the saying that. Turn your. Turn your, turn your front, front to the front. For- Turn your back to the forest and your front, front to, me. to me. Yeah. That is something that in fairy tales that deal with Baba Yaga, people who are looking to gain something from Baba Yaga, because mm-hmm. she is a a figure who is terrible and eats people and does awful <laughs> things, but is also a figure that's often turned to for assistance or guidance at other times too, like, like the horrible wish fulfillment so, where there's a bad trade-off. You know, kind of you thing. have to yeah. be careful about her. But if you succeed in a task she sets you, or win her over in some way, or trick her, you might get some powerful something from Baba Yaga. So people seek her out and know to say that. But it's also something that she says to access her own house sometimes too. It's kind of analogous to open sesame mm-hmm. or Rapunzel let down your hair. It's that kind gotcha. of you say Password. the phrase, Key you phrase. get access. Yeah. It's the passphrase for Bobby Gus Hut. Swordfish. Sweet. Nice. That's awesome. And then the book. <laughs> they give you a lot of really great flavor text as the game master that never comes up for the actual players. And part of that is just little snippets like that. I'm going to read one. This appears on the opening page of book two, which is called The Shackle Hut. It was written by Jim Groves from Paizo. Jim Groves, woo! Yeah, way to go, Jimmy! Groves. (laughs) Long ago, Baba Yaga wanted to travel to different worlds and the spaces between. When she stepped out of her hut in the woods, she saw the chickens scratching for grain in the yard and had an idea. With ancient rituals and powerful magic, her abode awoke. This terrible hut that stands on chicken legs. 
always dancing, hopping, twirling, and prancing is how she travels between worlds. When it rests, which it seldom does, a fence with a glowing skull atop each post springs up, and the force closes in to shield it from prying eyes. And then we have, like, the opening. And it starts off with the phrasing, little house, little house, turn your back to the force and face me. In Slavic folklore, this is the traditional phrase used to get Baba Yaga's dancing hut to stop dancing and stand still, revealing its front door to visitors. Fortunately for the PCs in the Reign of Winter adventure path, they have the mantle of the Black Rider and needn't resort to such incantations to gain access to the dancing hut. But it's still nice. Yeah, yeah. It's great. So that's why you had the hut moving around in the beginning before we... Part of that, yeah. So it's part of that is it that's what it, yeah. it does. He's uh, got it's the said in the book that the hut is it's just constantly like moving. pacing around inside the fence. Okay, cool. It, it wants to travel. It wants yeah. to jump dimensions. It wants that's to not thing. literally be here. I like that. Yeah. So it, it's good. <laughs> uh, it's in the book. It's written uh, that background information. David pulling that I thought was just great. And I love the idea of saying, fuck you, book. We are going to say the <laughs> phrase, which is how we end it. It was is, really is, fun. It was perfect. You, you, yeah, the the like words like came like to it. mind and you said it. And the hut was like, okay, cool. Come on in. And the door opens. Like That's where we ended. And I thought that was such a beautiful breadcrumb to drop at the beginning of the session that I could just immediately tie in oh, at the yeah. close. Can I give a hint for people who are maybe not super familiar with Pathfinder rules as to exactly how powerful Baba Yaga's chicken <laughs> hut is compared to other witch yes, things? Yes, please. Okay, if you hit max witch level, you're like level 20, you're amazing. And you get not just a major hex, but a grand hex. It's the best hex you can To get. top off. These are ultra powerful, immensely powerful hexes. One of those hexes is actually called Witch's Hut. And you animate a hut, a small house, a covered wagon, a tent, something similar. And that gives it some base level things that kind of are reminiscent of Baba Yaga's chicken hut. It stands up on legs that are either giant bird or bone legs. It moves around as directed by the witch. It can hide sometimes. It obeys commands. It's only animated for 24 hours. Wow. And it doesn't have any magical powers or extra shit. It just walks around and can hide sometimes. So is this you telling us that Baba Yaga is beyond a so level 20? So this is exactly what I'm saying. She, like, just for context, we're not just dealing with a max level witch. We're dealing with Baba Yaga. And the she's mother a of whole witches. different thing. She's level 100. So. Yeah. <laughs> she's technically not a god. She's not like in the deity pantheon. No, but, she's but not. But she feels like a minor deity. Yeah. 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 She's almost yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah, for yeah. sure. I feel like she is god tier. Well, then there's no way we're going to meet her, right? She, no, we just did a job for her. Yeah. <laughs> she's our boss. You know yeah. she can get yeah. things. We're her only rider she's got left, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's true. We are. She That's scary. Oh, man. I, I just thought of a question, too. Yeah. I really wanted to mess with the armor that was on the fence. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Take oh, the it. The rider armor was there. there. I, I mean, it's still there. Is, it, all, oh. is it physically there? Is yeah. It, we should grab we should the armor. Take that. The, 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 <laughs> bone, next episode. the bone I know, fence receded, but, and there's just like like three lying bodies with armor lying bodies? on the ground. Or armor that could be around, but well, we haven't checked Are inside the armor. Yet. Armor doesn't stay together on no, its I'm own. No, I'm worried there's bodies Mannequins. in there. It's magic. Now. Fuck. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? We'll see. That's you. what I thought. Uh, that's okay. I didn't even think that next time, so, that just clarifies yeah. that there everybody, is. Everybody, write that down. Our last question <laughs> from <laughs> Ellie. Vasilisa still seems kind of paranoid, which I absolutely love and support. How much of that is left over from the trek through the woods, or are there other factors? A good portion of it is left over from the trek through the woods. The way <laughs> I've been playing Vasilisa is she was already very much on edge just from being in this whole scenario. Mm-hmm. Winter coming back, having to go to Arison. It's all like her worst nightmare come true. And so the extra exasperation of the lack of rest and just pushing herself that bit far with the pale tower to hidey hole trip tipped her over that edge and so I think because she hasn't paused and stepped back and had any kind of therapy-esque moment like Valdine did like Valdine did and she hasn't been introspectively working through it because in her mind her paranoia is absolutely justified and the things that her horror deck are telling her point out yeah you should be paranoid you should be worried and so I think that until she has an opportunity to reflect or until it feels like that intense paranoia isn't well grounded, she's not going to move past it. I actually look forward to a point where she's no longer intensely justified in the paranoia and is still paranoid anyway, Mm because I think it's at that point that she might actually be moved to figure out something to move forward. Yeah. Trying to try and fix yeah. herself. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. But yeah, you went to a place where the paranoia is, it's like, no, yeah, everyone's watching you. All the <laughs> like, time. It's yeah. accurate. Yeah. That's factual. <laughs> yeah. You can't trust anyone. So, they could be anything. So there's no, there's no <laughs> yeah. room for that to back off or, or relax at all. So yeah, yeah you hey, You're even taking 11. on a role you never thought you would take on by being a protector or uh, like trying to save Baba Yaga. Exactly. That's not, it's, yeah. it's all very uncomfortable. Right, right. Uh, coming from James Smith of Knights of the Smith Dinner Table and Arkenforge, uh, that guy, Arkin guru Forge. guy. Uh, he, it, it is in brackets here. Joke question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, so when are you going to add James number two to the cast? Hey. Uh, addendum, is he going to replace James as the GM Ooh. and will people notice? Oh. <laughs> people would notice. I think notice. people would notice. notice. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. If, if if James were to take over a GM, then James would have to join us at the table oh, man, as I would a get PC. To play. You'd get That'd to play. Weird. That doesn't <gasps> that would be. I don't know when this is going out, but we are guesting with James. James is running a game for yes. Amanda and I on yeah. the 17th. Savage Worlds. Yeah. Uh, live stream. So our patrons will have this, but the non-patrons who listen to this on the 19th, you should go back oh, and watch the on demand if you missed it. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, you so. guys just played in that. So yeah. yeah, we just we just two days ago played yeah. in, in, in a. Oh man, yeah. it was really great. <laughs> <laughs> two days Time ago in the future, did, did our first live stream. It was the first live stream ever. You and I, we're both Ninja Turtles, oh. and I'm not a turtle. I'm a cat. <laughs> and I'm a frog, but we're ninja. We're ninja turtles. Yeah, yeah it's it a ninja is. turtle. Go <laughs> so listen to it. It was, it. It's great. It was great. It will be great. Um, moving on. Real Carly. Question. Hi, Carly. Hi, Carly. Uh, Carly's another Hello. wonderful. So wait, James didn't have a real question. No, just a just fake, the fake just one. Just the fake question. Yeah, just great. The Thanks question. a lot, James. Yeah. James. <laughs> <laughs> other James. Thank you for Arkenforge. <laughs> yes. Thank uh, you. This one is for the whole group. 
From running Dimension Door in person, then virtual, and then back to in person over the course of two books, what is something each of you learned from the experience? Anything you'd like to carry with you to the next book? I love this question. I we love this question so much. We actually didn't ever do virtual, no, we did we? We no. did a test. We, we tried. We, which, which yielded an interesting, fun result. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> but I, I love this question because it is just kind of an assumption thing that people who were recording in person had to switch to virtual and then back to mm-hmm. in person if that's the way they went. We kept our bubble. Yeah, we had mm-hmm. a good bubble. We yeah. we quarantined for the time that was required with the initial outbreak of COVID. We yep. all separated. Um, and it is because that we had a big backlog that we were able to do that. Right. Yeah. And the between the quarantine, between actually social distancing, between traveling, between the various COVID exposures yep. that we managed to not cross contaminate each other and mm-hmm. expose each other to it. That's true. Because of all of that, we've we didn't record virtually. We've always done our sessions in person yeah. and it's worked and we've been safe about it and yep. we, we only we, all of us just this year got COVID yeah. for, for the, the first, first time, time. Yeah. And, and, and separately was, and, and we separately. didn't give it to each, each other exactly yeah, yeah. One at a time, households wise. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've we've decimated the backlog. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, we, we have no backlog. We have no backlog anymore. anymore. <laughs> and so that's something that we're trying to build back up in case any of these things happen again. Yeah. But because we had, I don't know, the foresight that a fucking pandemic was going to happen. <laughs> we didn't. Obama knew it. Yeah. Obama. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, it, we were very fortunate that we had that as part of our conception of being like yeah let's just record as much as we can we can have a backlog before that way if anything happens and part of that is because david does so much traveling it's true Mm -hmm. we want to record as often as we can as much as we can to have ourselves a backlog in case it's like yeah david can't record for a month two months yeah Yeah. i think that's something that uh a lot especially of our newer audience might not know we were actually recording for Mm -hmm. Months and months. Yeah, I think it was almost six months. Yeah, yeah. before we released our, our first, first episode. episode. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. We, yeah, which is what allowed us to. I think we released three or four episodes at the same time. We did when three, we yeah. three episodes yeah. on our opening release day. That was all part of that plan. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was good. And I, I'm proud of us for being so careful. Has yeah. helped us and taking to care of each other. Work through that backlog a yeah. little bit more slowly <laughs> and yeah. record things and survive. Like yeah. We're not like some podcasts that are every single week or no. I don't know how some others do it that are like multiple times yeah. a week. And, and that'll come up even. a bit later. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> there's another question in here that we can talk about that. All right. All right. Uh, but for everybody, who's your favorite NPC? You wrote this question, didn't you? No, I didn't. <laughs> this is still from Carly. Carly. Uh, mine is Hatch. There were some yeah. great yeah. NPCs in this one. Oh, I yeah. love Gary. I love Hatch. Love Ricks. Um, Kappa was always great. I felt like it did. Kappa didn't go in the direction you thought she might go in with Marge. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going to happen with that. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I left it really open to see and explore what was going to happen. Because I knew so that it's... with Marge having had a previous love, because um, she's she's a bisexual character, mm-hmm. so having a previous love that was female and then coming across another rat folk that looked that just looked like, like her her yes. first love, her very first love, and then but that gave me the opportunity to tell that story too yeah. in a Patreon. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I release. I brought in Kappa great. with the idea of like I don't 
know. Maybe Marge is gonna like use this as a like a super shitty rebound, and then that'll be a lot <laughs> oh, of drama. It, it was something. I, it was something I thought about, and I, I wanted that to be an option. I yeah. wanted Kappa to really be an option for Marge to oh, start I'm just exploring imagining, her grief. Like how toxic that bonded by the grief of the yeah. immediate within yeah. the past couple days mm-hmm. lost, which is the thing. for both of them. Like for that both would of them. be yeah. Like I, I wanted it to be. I wanted it to have the opportunity to be a really messy thing. Yeah. Because that's really interesting. Yeah. I wanted it to be whatever Marge would make of it. Yeah. I wanted to give Marge that power and that ability to, and you, Amanda, to explore that situation however you wanted. I wanted to give you as many resources as possible to start to explore the grief process for Marge. And I think bringing in Kappa was a good catalyst to get a lot of that moving sooner than later. Yeah. um, And really start to force the exploration of grief. And I thank you for that. And I and I didn't uh, and I, she, I used it in a very different way. And I think that was oh, yeah, a lot it was of it great. was part of my own. And we talk about that in an interview uh, mm-hmm. and, and the Patreon side where there was a lot of other personal stuff of mine going on yeah. at the same time. We have some really great Marge and Amanda centric Patreon content. <laughs> FYI, a lot of really good interviews behind yeah. the scenes. But I think I, I for Marge's journey and for my own emotional sanity, that was just a direction I couldn't take it in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. appreciate the, the having the options open. Oh yeah, that was absolutely. That was great of you. So who's your favorite NPC? Oh, I th- there's, that's right. That's <laughs> not sorry, the question. Way off topic. Yeah. <laughs> I I actually really liked Selvig. Oh nice. I don't know why there was just something about she was a non-threatening character mm-hmm. in any way, um, even though we all were very you know suspicious. Some of us were more paranoid than others. Par- yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but then I also liked her in the fight with uh, that the witch from the haunted town that we had to go through because that was she was part of She's that too. Useful. She was one yeah. of the yeah. the few in the room at the same time. And yeah, and yeah. No, I I uh, liked her. Um, I really liked uh, Ranger. Well, I like. Mook, but I think Ranger is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, Mook is um, just because he's like he's like this French revolutionary, like ah, c'est la vie, you pigs all yeah, die. Yeah, I like that vibe. <laughs> yeah, it's a good vibe. He's and that he's a little rat folk too, and he's just crusty as hell. Yeah, he's a that crusty is man. Pretty great. I like him. Super yeah. great. I have a soft spot, obviously, for Hatch and Fricks mm-hmm. as always, but yeah. um, I did really love the NPCs that our executive producers inspired between Herbert and Mook. I feel like in terms of yeah. one-off but really impactful yeah. NPCs, they're great. Yeah, my favorite for book two though would have to be Gary. I was I liked yeah. that he actually like earned a backstory by existing around us long enough that yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he helped White Throne feel a lot more Real. like a place where people yeah. live yeah. and have stories That's because true. we had Gary's story. Yeah, yeah. I, I really liked the the development that Gary had. It, thus, like within his own character, but also through that, the world building that happened specifically in White Throne, it forced me to hash out a lot more things. And yeah, I think Gary was my favorite NPC of this book. I feel like in episode 24, he didn't even have a name. No, like, he yeah. was like, oh, there's some guard. Uh, his name is Gary. Yeah. Gary's completely homebrewed, wasn't written in at all. He was just a guard. That, that Bolka charmed. That Bolka charmed. <laughs> and 
he had consequences of being charmed because he didn't know he was charmed. Right. He right. had consequences uh, that drastically changed his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for having, the better. For the better. Yeah. Maybe. Let's I, I do yeah. like the Gary. If we're very, coming through and destroying all the winter, yeah, just, right. yeah for the better. Gary's <laughs> a very vivid example of like, if you think about it, we touch all these NPCs' lives mm-hmm. in the world in innumerable ways and we don't get to watch how that plays out yeah and so we don't always have the chance to think about oh man i wonder i wonder how everyone that we left behind in waldsby and at the pill tower who isn't gary is yeah. doing yeah like i wonder what consequences have rolled out yeah. but we get I, to watch what happened with yeah. gary because we I, chose I really, to keep him around i really yeah. like gary as a character too because it's very uh, telling of how the situation in Irison is, because Gary is like he's a he's a good guy, kind of, kind of an everyman. Yeah. He's but like, like a he's better, kind yeah, of he's like a slightly better than every man, but he still is part of the machine. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he is still mm-hmm. an oppressive guard. Yeah, like that is that is or he was he helped to abduct yeah. and ultimately get murdered and have her spirit shoved into a hut. One of Kappa's kids. Yeah. He, like he was that part of that. He is part of the <laughs> instrumentation Thanks, that no. is used to oppress the people. Yeah. But he is literally just like he's got a good heart. He's doing it just to support his family. Yeah, it's the everyman tale of Irisen. Yeah. It was great seeing the ramifications of that. So if you're listening and you're working for a giant corporation just to survive and take care of your family, you like, might want to do some understand. introspection and join the revolution. But we also but do we understand you've got to survive. Like. Yeah. It's just There's, like all those people that worked on the desk. It's hard. I feel personally called out. <laughs> I was trying to keep it. I was trying to keep it vague so no one would know. It's just, it wasn't my choice that yeah. my small company was bought out. No, the God, largest no. corporation God, in the world. No, yeah. no, but it's like it's part of living life. Our cell phones are probably made with like exploitative labor. All the clothes we're wearing are definitely made from exploitative labor. The the whole there's no ethical consumption in yeah. capitalism, but you can do your best to. Be as ethical as you can be while still letting yourself live and yeah. exist. And that's yeah. Gary. Yeah, and that's, and that's Gary. Gary. Yeah. Gary. Gary is our struggle against capitalism. Gary's all of us. Gary yeah. is everyone. We are. Well, Gary. this is the world. And if yeah. you're curious about um, Gary's whole family backstory, oh that is there's also a, there's a, a wonderful Patreon, Patreon uh, snippet that we did. We did a series of stories, and for Gary's story, he talked about his life and how he got his position as a guard nice and yeah. we we kind of talked about it you know um his wonderful wife lost her limb yeah mm-hmm. and, and how that affected them as a family and and moving forward and it was very good that was the real part where i fleshed gary out nice. and his motivations and kind of like where his mindset is and his kind of apprehension of returning home Do him and, and his wife like understand each other better now since he's also i think they've always something. had a very healthy <laughs> relationship and that this is just another thing that there is going to bring them closer together. Aww. And they can still hold hands. And they can still hold hands because yeah. I rolled for it, which yeah. is great. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next? Uh, from everything you've learned and experienced so far, what do you speculate will happen in book three? The crazier the theory, the better. Who is this for? Everybody? Everybody. Uh, players. Uh, I think oh, James yeah. isn't allowed to give <laughs> yeah. thoughts. I have a feeling we're still going to get sucked into the first world somehow. Okay. Love I it. don't know. I, don't, I mean, they're only leaving that that portal down for five minutes and our time is limited and if we try and run away I have a feeling I don't know 
We have a really powerful house, but I don't know if it can navigate the prickly thorn magical fave forest well enough to get out of this clearing without without some trouble. Right. So I'm worried about that. I have a really big question going into book three that I think is going to be the primary. Oh, you didn't think about this, bitches, did you? (laughs) For book three. And it's going to be we got to the hut. We used the keys. What now? Where is Baba Yaga anyway? Is the hut so supposed to take theory. us there? Yeah, that's the question. Are we going to find kind of Baba Yaga? Where, where do you think Baba Yaga actually like? The, my theory is. is that, and I've been thinking about this for a long time. The reason this is all able to happen, and the reason that Baba Yaga is like away, is that she's dating Pete Davidson now. Oh, <laughs> she's really derelict in her duties. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> that makes sense. That was that the, the wilder the better, right? For yeah. The right? So that's what yeah. I'm going with. Baba Yaga. Well, well done. Smitten kitten. Well done. I, I'm thinking Elvana knew she couldn't kill Baba Yaga, but she put all of her power into banishing Baba Yaga to a different dimension. That makes she sense. might not even know where Baba Yaga is, but if Baba Yaga depends on the hut to travel interdimensionally and she's in another dimension, we might need to bring the hut to her so she can dimensionally travel back to give Elvana some comeuppance. First world. So I'm saying. So yeah. I, I feel like <laughs> we're gonna do a dimensional could be the fire plane, something. Could be the air because yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Oh. Please don't go. Like, if we're like go from winter Irison to like the plane of ice, I will lose it. Yeah. As Vasily <laughs> but said. if it's the four of us like cruising around through interspace in this in chicken a, hut, yeah. right? Like, we're magic just school bus. Dimension yeah. hop magic school bus. Yeah. David theories? I'm kind of on the same page. It's, it's we're going some other plane somewhere. Yeah, we're not. I mean, uh, yeah, it's you gotta be unless we just go inside with the stat block I mean, you gave us and not go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, alternatively, I, we just go inside and Bobby's there and she's like, "What's up? Want a beer?" God, I want to. <laughs> I want to say something. No, but I want my husband. <laughs> right. I really want to say something. Is, it, is the beer cold? That's what I'd be. I'd be like. I want to say. Cold? Don't, don't yes. ruin anything. Yeah. No. <sighs> okay. Say, I won't. No. Say it. Zip it. No. I don't ruin anything. Don't listen to, to David. He knows not Stop. what's he for once he asks. The spoilers. <laughs> is it a spoiler? No, it's like a If you're hesitating, I have those it's same like a moments. Hint. Yeah, it's a it's a hint. I like hints. It's a hint. You're all wrong. Oh my god. Okay. No, that's perfect. a great hint. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Love it. You're all wrong. We have all no of idea. your theories are wrong. Until okay. the next session, we have, okay. really have no idea. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, you're all wrong. That's I need it to go it's crazy wait, 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 or like Carly requested. It's not Pete Davidson. No, it's not. Uh, This one's just for me. A lot has happened through book two. Are there any particular moments uh, where the players derailed what you had planned and or you had to (laughs) improvise? What was your biggest challenge as a DM this book? Uh, Jumping straight up to Logrovich's tower. Skipping to the top floor. Skipping to the top floor. And that's not so much derailing. It was just unexpected. I mean, I think the thing with me that I try to do as a a game master is that I don't try to shut down my players' ideas. I I like look at them and I'm like, is that possible? Yes, okay. How can I allow them to do this within the mechanics of the game or give them the chance Mm -hmm. to do this within the mechanics of the game? So yeah, jumping straight up to Logrovich is pretty derailing um, because the book accounts for you to go through the entire tower first and then end with Logrovich at the top. Um, so really, it's just a little bit of gymnastics (laughs) in my brain of just like, okay, so if we do that first, what does that look like for the rest of the tower? And it's a pretty easy 
mental exercise. I think it's a good example of how well James has us all pegged. (laughs) that he even had the encounter for us summoning Yakabina's ghost pre-planned and was like, if they do this, I'm going to level them up. He knew we were going to fuck around with that chalice. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he planned for it. Yeah. Like, we wanted to find out. It was yeah. cool. Fuck around and find out. Yeah, no, like make decisions and I'll adjust for them. What about the the Dawn Pipers that we didn't end up fighting any of them? Oh, that was brilliant. That was fucking brilliant. Really, we derailed it. We just uh, no, like solved we, it a different way. If yeah. he... If he prepared any combat then we showed him yeah i mean all of it I, it was all prepared you have to be right We've all the combat yeah. was some prepared combats. yeah you guys did we, some really good job of winning combats yeah. uh the dawn pipers the ice goblins the marrows all of that was built yeah, into the right. book we to be combats yeah. um but you guys did a really good job of just like out of left field diffusing the situations here's your pound uh, of flesh and it's just like it's, yeah. it's one of those things where it's like as a, a dungeon master you just don't force people to do things i don't know i'm flexible man i'm not i'm not hardline on anything in this book like if something happens and then what it says in the book doesn't make sense i'm not going to do what the book says i'm going to do what i think makes sense for the world and the story and the situation we're in nice that's why you're an awesome gm oh thank you that's right uh for zach that's me what has been your favorite episode to edit this season any fun challenges you got to work with Wait, the show's edited? I thought you guys just <laughs> spit it into the we file. We just and... sound that good naturally. Right. No effort. Um, <laughs> so it's it's hard to get past like the last one you did because I've just if you've just recently spent forty hours working on something, that's burning yeah. your brain, and it's hard to remember ten episodes ago, twenty episodes ago. Um, but even listening back to the season finale, uh, there was uh, I've got some trivia. Oh, yes. The season finale uh, had 41 sound effects cues in it. Wow. That's a lot. That's a shit ton. It's it's depending on how you want to count them. It might be a little bit more or a little bit less because sometimes it's like uh, casting a spell that makes it rain ice. Mm -hmm. Is that one sound? I used three sounds to build it, but does that count as one sound effect? I don't know. Um, But roughly like 40 some. uh, And I felt satisfied with the season finale. The chicken hut stomping around. The, all the really cool spells, the lightning spell when Vasilisa teleported, plus the hail spell, plus the uh, the spell, the fire spell that the hut eventually casts is like four different heavy hitting sounds yeah. that I just kind of faded in together when they needed to happen. Uh, so I think the season finale was it was it was the most challenging. Also, also because I'm coming off of in the real world, Severed Fate, the other program, mm-hmm. just did a season finale and a bookend, and then we just had our episode before the finale was really long, yeah. and then the finale was really long. So I'm coming off of a month of super long episodes. Yeah. So challenging, so the season finale was extremely challenging for that reason, plus it was long, plus there was a ton of stuff to do in it, but it's also one of the ones I'm the most proud of. Yeah. That splat when Najrena hit the ground. So I listened so to it recently it. and I was like, oh God, I forgot how graphic I went with that. <laughs> it was so good though. Loved it. Uh, but it, it was nice after all of the whooshing magic yeah. sound effects just to end with a the reality of yeah. this is the result. It was good. Ugh. I'm always a really big fan of those like just remembrances that yeah, this is like realistic. Like, yeah, we're in a fantasy world. Woo! And then there's just like one poignant piece of media or an action that it's like, oh, yeah, this, this, this they're is- playing this in realism too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So your favorite and most difficult episode. Favorite and most difficult. But also, I really liked the uh, the chance to go to the Lagerviches and uh, do the clock tower. The clock tower is Working standing the clock out in my mind. Music yeah. into, uh, so I laid out the clock sound effects provided by Sirenscape, and I laid them out on a, a grid that I could compose music to. So I laid out just a bunch of, of the clicks so they could be my tempo, they could be my metronome, and then arranged the music around that. And it just really felt immersive. It felt like we were in yeah. this building. Now, I love the really whole cool. clock tower, yeah. like, listening back to that I was like this is exactly how my brain wanted it to be when we were playing in there and I'm like and the clock is still loud yeah Yeah. like I reminded myself in session but then listening to it our audience has you reminding them through your amazing work that there's the clock (laughs) ticking it's also like this this timeliness of it it feels like there's a sense of running like we have to do this in a timely fashion I want to throw one more editing note out there Uh, episode 23 when we met the fawn and the fawn in combat, I think it was a bard or something, and in combat played the flute, I had Jackson play the recorder. Aw. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like and it came out really nice. I was very happy with that. Nice. That, would, that would be his second recorder. Yeah. Right. He, pl- he played it on Severed Fate when Paz was playing poorly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then when this you know amateur young fawn like yeah. I didn't have him play messed up or anything, but it was it was a little bit amateur, but it was yeah. good. It I was like better. that Jackson is, is just our resident recorder player. Yeah, and he's absolutely on retainer. <laughs> he loves recorder. Awesome. So those were all questions from the ever so wonderful Carly. Thanks, Carly. Yeah. Our next questions f- come from uh, the wonderful Susa. Um, yeah, they're wonderful. Uh, what were the inspirations for your characters? Did you choose class and race first, then build personalities, or have a character in mind first, then find stats for it? Oh, I love this question. Did you have any ideas on what their character arcs and growth would be like, or the direction you wanted them to go in? And if so, has it differed from what you expected? I'll go first. I'm People sta- are giving me looks like just start, so I will do that. <laughs> Uh, and by people, I mean Zach. Just me, yeah. Just me. <laughs> I'm people. Just, so, Zach's a people. It me. Basically, I fell in love with one of the background traits that was created for the player's guide for Reign of Winter, which is the failed Winter Witch Apprentice. I started out building a character who had that trait, realized I would rather just steal all of the flavor of that for my backstory and not waste the trait on having it. Just build something. So yeah. Vasilisa is a failed Winter Witch apprentice, but does not have the failed Winter Witch apprentice trait. <laughs> I wanted her to be still a witch, but she failed at being a Winter Witch. And that's where I was like, why not have her be the opposite? She's a summer patron witch. And from that starting point, I initially wanted her to be a potion heavy witch. She was going to be like the local person who brewed all of the remedies for town. And then I was like, no, Theodora might have been good at that. But Vasilisa is the the only thing I know about Reign of Winter is that we're going to be traveling immediately. I'm not going to build her around having the time and the space and the equipment to brew things. And I've always wanted to play with the cardamancer with like the hero deck and and figure out a way to make that build work. So knowing we were starting at level three and that that's where that archetype for which really comes online. I was like, that's it. She's just going to be a cardamancer. This is where it's going to go. And everything after that just kind of was fitting the pieces together to make her make sense as a person, Mm -hmm. given that she's a failed winter witch 
who is a cardamancer with the summer patron. I thought she was going to be a lot more cheerful. Yeah. Uh, she was a very, like, she... Yeah, I didn't get that at all. She starts out and she's a, a well-known, respected figure in town. I wrote into her backstory, like, she'd had some flings with different people in her time, but Yosef is her latest. So she was cheerful until we meet her in the cold gets there. Because yeah, that's what happens. She was cheerful before. She, she loves being in Heldren. She loves her position in the town. She wears these bright, colorful clothes. She loves flowers. She tucks marigolds in her donkey's hair. And, and, and she's just all about like going out and being in the fields and enjoying the sun. And... <laughs> And then it just turns out that like her her love for summer and having this assault from her past that was a bad experience and also like in the middle of her season all that the audience and the other characters have been able to experience from her is the intense sadness and the saltiness the intense saltiness of what I shouldn't be having to deal with winter right now, yeah. let alone this variety of winter and then Irisin and it just gets it's worse and worse fair. for her. Yeah. She's not just a really cranky, grumpy person. This has circumstance. This has, is a nightmare for her. This yeah, is her nightmare. You've only seen her like at her worst in terms of how she feels. <laughs> so get her into like a true summer situation and you're gonna be like sunbathing and swapping <laughs> recipes and having some like romance around a bonfire but that just hasn't been a thing that the circumstances of the campaign have showcased for yeah. that'd be boring right get together for another session and you're like you just i sit around the bonfire more and i <laughs> sell some <laughs> right? potions yeah okay I get come back next week tippled yeah. on some mead i i don't know <laughs> yeah. uh, david what about you and valdine so Valdine comes from um, my love of watching spaghetti westerns growing up as a kid. My first intro to Pathfinder, I played a wizard, so a completely different kind of character yeah. and very focused on magic and really thought it would be awesome, and then he died really fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In another campaign, I play a bard, also uses magic. And in this campaign, when I first read about The Reign of Winter, I wanted to try something that one didn't rely on magic. I didn't want to have magic as part of the character's story, at least when I started. Yeah. I don't know if that will stay the same for Valdine. His arc is kind of open. Yeah. I I purposefully crafted Valdine as someone who's already been through a lot of shit and yeah. now is kind of a blank, a, a kind of a, not in, not in doing anything in the moment. It's when he started the yeah. adventure, he was kind of able to go and explore what would happen mm-hmm. if he just pursued this new quest. Yeah, and giving, that was giving yourself the flexibility. Yeah, a lot more flexibility than previous characters that I've played. And I wanted to see what would happen if I just leaned into the mercenary with a slightly tragic, interesting backstory Yeah, and kind of just ran with that. It's yeah. a little tropey, but I liked it, and that's what I wanted to go with. I, I think it started off feeling very tropey, but I think with the way you played it, it, it runs counter to any kind of... It's such a huge icon in the zeitgeist, like just the, the old cowboy stranger. Oh, yeah. It's just such a thing. It's already yeah. burned. It's, There's a million versions of it. Yeah. yeah. It's got so much baggage with it, but if you take the time and actually make a character and tell a story, yeah. they're all unique. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, at face value, you're like, oh yeah, I've read this book before. Sure. And, and you've got to dig a little deeper. That's where I was it. like, don't don't force it too much. Let him flex to what's happening. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I try to keep in mind as I play him is to 
let him react. Not don't think what I would do because I'm I'm not Valdine. Yeah. And think about try to like really what would Valdine actually try to accomplish in the situation? How would he actually respond to this? And that's hard to do, but yeah. In all the interactions he has with other characters, it's a really great uh, feedback and and the bounce off of other characters' play style. It's been really awesome to mm. see what he'll do next. Yeah. And I'm excited for him to uh, level up some more. Yeah. And see his interactions <laughs> going forward. Does he have any profession ranks? Um. He has alchemy, and I think the other one is soldier. Nice. Yeah, I wonder if you yeah, if you check, uh, it's yeah. on our that's website now. Cool. He's yeah. got profession soldier. Yeah, you see, I that's do. not min maxy at all. I think that's that's yeah. super you put in, spending ranks on things. Yeah. They're like, well, yeah. this, is, this is part of my story. It's part of I my have own. I yeah. have been wanting to do some more stuff with that, but it I hasn't come up. It hasn't come up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Book three starts with James being like, "All right, roll me a profession soldier check." Amanda. Yeah, uh, honestly, in the character creation process, uh, Nick helped us out. Zach and I wanted to have a characters a that played together, to be a team, mm-hmm. just because we've always played so well off of each other. <clears throat> and, and Nick had this great idea of you know the Marge and Norm uh, aspect. And honestly, Marge was built to be an aid character. She was not meant to be a frontline fighter. She was not built that way. I had to change her build after Norm died to make her that frontline fighter and to stop aiding so much. But yeah. she was totally built with her her honor guard and dragon order and all of her cavalier at character creation was all meant to help the party and her only jump in with her sword and shield if she really needed to. That was the plan originally. That was the plan originally <laughs> was to be the backup and to be that aid character. So I had to kind of rewrite it so I, I she's definitely not min maxed <laughs> because I started off going one direction and having to shift gears once her com- you know her, her companion was not there to play off of anymore and it being painfully obvious that we needed a frontline fighter we needed a strong person um, and so yeah that's that's completely changed her her character arc is absolutely nothing like I thought it would be um, it, it's completely different gone a completely different direction it, it, which is great because I that makes it fun <laughs> when you yeah. have you might have a plan but it's just like life <laughs> yeah <laughs> just because you have a plan doesn't mean anything's gonna happen that you yeah. can use <laughs> for, well, and for the plan and you had just like life the the later on that it throws you that curveball the harder the it harder is. it is and the longer it takes to adjust yeah to, for your new trajectory for sure for sure so yeah that's that was it's been fun taking and, and difficult taking her through her character arc that was just kind of thrown at her rebuilding her character in a different direction to be more of that actual actual cavalier riding in charging um she doesn't she's not going to get a lot of those awesome bonuses that cavaliers usually get for charging because part of her archetype gets rid of those uh in favor of the aiding stuff so it's she's still going to have a lot of great options for aiding uh that's never going to go away but it's it she won't get a lot of those bonuses for charging she's just going to have to make do which honestly making do with what she has is kind of her character because she's still wearing yeah. basic armor mm-hmm. she's still using a basic long sword really nothing magical <laughs> nothing masterwork she's like literally a 10 gold yeah, you know, with the sword, Cut, <laughs> people in half. She's doing she, what she can with the, yeah. the tools she's been handed, and that's and that's kind of she's she's scrappy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I love that about her that she's like, no, I'm not interested in you know d- d- fancy stuff. I'm just 
and then also her turn into more magic mm-hmm. too, yeah. which is something that with being around magic, not understanding it, but having that understanding of it just a little bit enough mm-hmm. to heal people. And, but then being that, that world opening up to her and then she's like, Oh, I can use wands. Oh, look, there's all these different wand options for all this different magic stuff. And, and then that little bit of innate ability she has mm-hmm. with Caster's champion for adding just a little bit of magic to her own attacks. And yeah. So it's, yeah, no, it's been a lot of fun and it's completely a different direction, different trajectory than I ever thought. And, and I don't know, that's part of what makes Pathfinder so fun is oh, yeah. you yeah. never know well, where your character's going to end up. And your aid stuff still comes in so handy. Oh, it's, oh, so, yeah. it's so clutch in those moments when it's just yeah. enough to make the difference in a combat. It can, oh, for sure. It can be. Yeah. Um, Zach, Norm. This might be no, twice well, no. as hard we're for you, but too. I think oh. we're focusing on Bolka. Yes, we right. are focusing on Bolka. I think yes. we're talking about I think Zach, we're Bolka? Well, I originally wanted to be a frog. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, I remember that. And he was going to be a frog that was very particular, that uh, that was very specific about certain things. But uh, Froggy soprano? Kind of like a froggy <laughs> soprano a little <laughs> bit, Heck yes. Yeah. Uh, but we uh, couldn't find any frogs in Irison. So I ended up having to be a little bit more acceptable, something a little bit more regionally acceptable. Um, it was fun because knowing where I was coming in, that I, it would almost told me what accent I was going to have. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Golden Eye was one of my favorite Bond movies, so I went to Robbie Coltrane's character Valentine. Nice, and this, he's a little slower, but he, he and he has more jowls when he speaks. Um, and I kind of I've, I've faded that away. But that was my base, my basis for the voice. And then, as far as the character, I always love playing support characters, and especially for a second character. <laughs> After mm-hmm. there's been a party death, it's like, hey, maybe more healing. Uh, so <laughs> I decided to come back in as a, a, a cleric. And the other good thing about ch- uh, cleric class, clerics, if not my favorite, my second favorite class to play. One of the things I like about it is it comes with like a package of once you figure out who you want your deity to be, you got all this stuff to, to build off of. Like, yeah. oh, these are their colors and this is their animal. And this is their beliefs. Does your character follow all of these? Are there any of them that you have hangups with? Yeah. You've got a whole like palette to paint your, your character with it. It's preset and super easy. And uh, again, I think this was Nick who pointed out to me that the daughter of Torag was this goddess of of love and marriage uh, named Bolka. And I was like, oh, I could do that. And since my parents were Torag worshippers, maybe they named me Bolka. Mm-hmm. They named me after the daughter of Torag. Yeah. Even his last name, Fulgritson, Fulgrit is Torag's wife, so his last name, it's like built in like that, you know, maybe his family thinks or at one point right, claimed right. to have some sort of connection. What was the question again? Trajectory, <laughs> character. Oh, trajectory. Arc. The, so uh, we didn't come with a, like a pre-planned arc for him story-wise. Like uh, we have his, yeah. James and I know his backstory, yep. but it's not super relevant to what's going on right now yep. other than like we're encountering some Fae, but that doesn't really have a connection for him. In my mind, his, his, his arc is that his mom has always told him that he was destined for more, destined for to do something greater, and he kind mm-hmm. of kind of believed her and saw this as his opportunity to be like, well, mom's gone now. I should see if she's right about this. I should follow through on this. Yeah. But he has not been like 100% sure the whole time. It's more like he's kind of watching himself and seeing how this goes. and play. He's trusting Bolka will guide him through this. Right. Um, but he, he's not 100% sure this is right. <laughs> it's like, well, mom said this was right. Let's see. <laughs> Uh, so it's it's a hero's journey of like discovery, and it's and not that he's an unwilling hero, but he's just not a confident hero yeah. necessarily. I'm gonna just feed right into the next question, which is for Zach. 
Do you love Bolka, Norm, or Narcissa the most? That's got to be Adigan. That's got to be Yeah, it's still, yeah. still. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you guys are going to hate me. Um, <laughs> let's be fair here. Let's just get some things straight, okay? <laughs> Norm was only around. I only played Norm for 18 episodes. Yeah. Seventeen. Let's say seventeen because I didn't really play him in the yeah. episode. Yeah, I only played him for seventeen episodes. We've been going for three years. Yeah, true. That's a long time to not be Norm. So as much adoration as I have for Norm and for Tom Bosley, who I base his personality off of, um, I can't say that he's my favorite. That I yeah. love him. I can't say that I love him the most because I know him the least out of yeah. all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for extra context, because with the season break, we lose sight of this a little. The season two finale was our 73rd episode. Wow. In terms of not counting bookends or extra things, just Holy the crap. story. Ep- 73. So it's been over 50 episodes of playing Bolka yeah. compared to the 17 yeah. of playing it, Norm. It makes a big difference. And Narcissa for 45. Yeah. Yeah. So really, it comes down to between Bolka and Narcissa. Uh, who do I love more? I, I think mm, I think Bolka has some growing to do yeah I think he has some self-discovery to do narcissa i i really connected with i i felt a lot of her flaws mm-hmm. i felt a lot of her strengths um and and i'm i'm really gonna miss her i know it's not this show but i i yeah. think i love narcissa a little bit more than i love bulka bulka's kind of cheeky sometimes bulka's love it's what he professes and espouses but it's a little superficial sometimes yeah uh, it's it's not as deep and complex as it probably should be if he's really going all in on this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Narcissa, I, she's just a little bit of a victim, and I, I love her personality and her outlook. So, yep, to answer your question, it's Narcissa. There we go. There we heard go. it here first, okay. folks. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> now we'll just have to wait and see if that's different at the end of book three. Yeah, we're just going to keep like, asking you this question. Do you, okay, you now who do you like grow more? to like Bolka best? After Bolka dies, my new character <laughs> right? comes in. Yep. Oh. But let's see, the Severed Fate uh, listening numbers are going to jump up now. Like, oh, oh, man, it's Narcissus his favorite is his favorite. We better go her. listen. <laughs> let's listen to that. Uh, <laughs> just remember to start with session zero yeah. before you jump into episode yeah. and then go back yeah, yeah, to yeah. episode one. <laughs> uh, this, this next question was wonderful because I had never thought about it and I immediately had an answer. Uh, I'm interested to see what you guys all oh. think. Are Dimension Door and Severed Fate in the same canon universe? Was it really Vasilisa that did the horror reading in Severed Fate? Well, that's a no. That was Marta. Yeah, that, Marta. No. that was Marta. Yeah, uh, that was Marta. That, that was the shopkeep's wife. So, yeah. though it, it's in the same universe because uh, Lepidstadt is kind of it's it's almost like Transylvania. So it's got kind of that Eastern European yeah. accent, which yeah. is still very similar related to like the Russian type of yeah. Mm. So it's related enough to where I could see why people would think that because your accent was. Well, it's similar. all, all similar. Galarian. Yeah. The Carrying Is Crown happens years before. The yeah. same Galarian. Because they absolutely could yep. share a universe. But the timeline is different because Rain Correct. of Madrid is happening later. That's right. I think they're, they're a couple years apart. One of the cool things about Paizo, what they do is their release dates in world match up with their release dates yeah. in real life. Which Rain nice. of Winter cool. is 4713. AR. AR. Absalom Rising. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And hilariously, we, the campaign started on the 15th of Aristus in-game. Uh, it is now the 12th of Eridus, 
So it has been less than one month. Almost a month. Yeah. Jeez. Coming up on a month. Almost one month. That is insane. Feels like so much longer. <laughs> Remember when I had a character, I had a character and I made James uh, like track the cycles of the moon for me because she was going to have different spells based on the cycles of the moon. Yes. It's like, we're never getting a month. <laughs> You had We've maybe had like moon. two moon cycles. Like a, moon cycle. it, it was full and then it started to wane and that's all you get. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you get. So Carrying Crown happens first and then two years later. It's like 4611 or 4711? Yeah, 4711 for is Carrying Crown. Crown starts. Yeah. yeah. So it's two years before. I think it's totally in the same Galarian. I think yeah. so too. I, I like the idea of having a canon Dimension Door universe. Galarian 616. I'm just imagining. It's, it's going to be so <laughs> nice. rare if any of it ever crosses over. Right. Because Pathfinder is very good about having like everything sort of separated by Time adventure. Gap. I just had such a funny thought. So I'm imagining like Narcissa's still a out survivor there <laughs> from Carrion Crown. Narcissa is just minding her own business, being a person or traveling. Who knows? Yeah, and gets sucked into and a winter portal. And suddenly there's a winter <laughs> in the middle of fun. summer and she's like, what the hell? Aww, that's totally <laughs> you fun. You can have a one-shot adventure of like Carrion Crown people who survived yeah. from Severed Fate. Two years later, fate. boom, there's a pocket of winter. Yeah. Her and Kendra might even be a couple by then. Who knows? Oh. <laughs> Dating your own daughter. <laughs> huh? Saucy. And Just strange. legally. Just legally, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it totally takes place in the same universe. Cool. Yeah. Door I'm universe. I mean, if it ever comes up, it'll good be great. Times. But the, I don't know if it will. The person's not the same person. No, but, no, no. But that's universe. not the same person. But yeah. it all contextually takes place in the same universe. Yeah. Uh, what is each character and player's favorite animal? I'll go first. Dogs next. Okay, so Vasilisa's favorite animal, if I if it's a very specific an individual animal, is marigold. marigold. Of course. So <laughs> type of but type of animal overall, I think she just um, has a soft spot for bunny rabbits. Aww. Yeah. So she misses Azalea all the time. She prefers marigold to Azalea as a individual animal, but overall type of animals. She'd have like a whole farm of fluffy bunnies. She'd nice. she would like spin the wool off of the back of one of those angora bunnies while she sits on her porch at night. Like she could do that in her retirement. And then what about Elizabeth? My favorite animal you, is a lot harder because I'm really bad <laughs> at picking favorites. I do have a soft spot for cats. The purring. Yeah. If I get if uh, an extra cuddly cat that just wants to sit on me and sound like a lawnmower, like on my <laughs> chest, I enjoy that. Uh, Valdine, Valdine's favorite animals are horses. Oh, that's on brand. Yeah. We've yeah. got to get Valdine a horse. Get what Valdine are we a doing? Horse. Yeah. And then uh, my favorite animals are giraffes. Yeah. Nice. Love giraffes. They're giraffes. like horses, but with longer necks. Yeah. It's Did more you know that? A giraffe has this same number of vertebra in their neck as a human does. They're just big and large. Did you know right? that giraffes have enough power in their legs they can literally decapitate a lion with one kick? Fuck. Yes. And they can use their their swinging head neck thing too to, to yeah. like they do all kinds of cool stuff. Giraffes, giraffes are, are badass. Giraffes are awesome. I wonder if there's a, a stat block in Pathfinder for a summonable giraffe. Oh, there's got to be terrifying. probably not as cool as the real yeah, one. I mean, you'll have to adapt it to be as cool as the real yeah. one, exactly. for sure. But. I love that idea. Yeah. Um, Marge? Marge. Uh, weasels. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it tracks. Raising it one tracks. from an itty bitty baby and it becoming this very close companion of her. I think yeah. that yeah, that weasel. She would just uh, naturally be inclined towards all of them. That's why she tried to yeah. uh, calm that giant weasel oh. down. That. <laughs> Ended up attacking that was her. A pretty bad experience for everyone. <laughs> still, so for, still especially favorite? Oxford, but oh, really boy. everyone <laughs> had a rough time with that weasel. <laughs> um, and for me, it, I I was fortunate enough to grow up in a family where we were all like true animal lovers, meaning that we loved every animal. I at one point in my house we had sixteen pets. Uh, and everything ranging from goats, rabbits, snakes, birds, fish, cats, dogs, so many, so many animals. And I do love them all, but my favorite animal specifically would be Tubby. And Tubby oh. was a cat. And Tubby mm. was the best cat. Massive large cat I got from the uh, the pound. At six months old, was already full, looked like a full-grown cat at wow. six months old. was massive. Uh, must have have some kind of something mixed mixed in it was a it was a gray tabby but it was just i mean the the best cat ever could care less if there were dogs around got along with every beautiful every creature See, that's every my person favorite kind of cat is the chill could one. sense yeah. if you were upset and would come up and actually wrap its arms around your neck and give you hugs Aww. the best cat ever uh, and so since that I am a bit partial to cats, not all of them are like that. I've had a lot of cats in my life mm-hmm. and Tubby's the only one that's really been that cat. That's what it is I for me is the right cat. cat is magical. Yes. And so it has to be cats. Like I love Nova and he's amazing. And yeah, the best I love lap dogs. Dog of all. Dogs are great, but the best cat you could imagine or experience is just like a different tier. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed with that. Yeah. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> Uh, what about what about Bolka? Bolka, his favorite animal is supposed to be the falcon. It's supposed to be because that's Bolka's uh, oh, symbolic animal. Gotcha. Uh, but it's really he kind of likes anything furry or fluffy, but particularly <laughs> dogs. But like ghosts, I mean, yeah. anything with a lot of fur on it is just like all oh, just sweet and cuddly, and yeah. he likes that. I wonder if Bolka is gonna adopt the dog from. Snowdrop? Yeah, Snowdrop. Yeah, no, he really likes Bulk the fact is probably that that's a gonna thing. <laughs> Because it's not just because I was the husky. one wearing the robe doesn't mean Vasilisa's the one who like oh it's our oh, it's dog. Party dog, yeah. It's yeah. A party. For sure. Nice. Party Anyone dog. can command Snowdrop. No, yeah, Bolka. I mean th- we didn't get to spend much time on it because the the time between the wrap up of combat and the end of the episode was really short. Yeah. yeah. But I definitely tried to interject like he's really happy that there's this big panting husky just hanging out. Yeah. Like, that's, yes. He's super happy about that. Nice. And that's kind of the same for Zach too. Yeah. He's just big fluffy dogs. Big fluffy dogs are great. I like dogs I can like wrestle with. Yeah. Tussle yeah. around. Uh, the next question is extremely hard for me to answer because I don't know names or people. But if you were casting a live action or a live action with CGI movie, who would play or voice each character? Oh, that's great. Uh, mine's easy because mine is actually based after a character in a movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you would actually have uh, Francis McDormand well, do yeah. the voice? Heck yeah. I think she'd be great as Marge that's, because Marge is an older character that's a good anyway. Get. That's a, yeah. She's a great yeah. actress. That's a good, good get. That's a good one. Totally. Yeah, oh, and yeah. if I, I mean, if I went with Robbie Coltrane for mine, like he's he's fine. You guys would be happy with him. Oh. He's good. No, he's a good actor. He's a solid actor. He's, he's kind of a character actor, but he's good. Isn't Bulk a kind of a character? Yeah, that's why it works. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think your actor has like multiple Academy Award nominations. That is true. She mine is, doesn't. She's a fantastic actress. Fair. <laughs> yeah, she is. How about you, David? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. You want to cast yourself with a southern accent? Just you do it. Sure. There you go. 
<laughs> just be me. <laughs> now, I, I, I only have an answer to this because I was the one collecting questions and I looked over all of them multiple times. Uh, it's a hard one to answer. There otherwise. might be a mm-hmm. much better answer for this than I've come up with because I'm not super familiar with actors. But I thought, you know what? I bet Mila Kunis could pull off Vasilisa. She can do the accent. She can do the attitude. She can do the... Uh, She can speak Russian. Now I'm really frosty (laughs) and upset with things, but now I'm having a great time and it's a party. Like she can capture, I think, all of the aspects. This would be an interesting movie. And she's not too visually off if it's full live action either. Yeah. so I had I had an answer for me to start off with for which, which character uh, for me oh um, the GM which was, oh the voice oh, it's of that GM. kind of movie the, the yeah. voice like the narrator voiceover narrator I'd want the guy who did the narration for Darkest Dungeon oh nice That's a good narration um, and then I was sitting here thinking about it because I realized I could like have them voice everybody else besides the four players <laughs> uh, with that in mind just off the cuff I would I would like Rob Paulson who's done a ton of voice acting throughout his career the Ninja Turtles Spike from The Land Before Time um, The Box Ghost Yakko Warner Carl from Jimmy Neutron Wow! like he's got range he's got a shit ton of range and he could absolutely kill it anyway Rob Paulson so you're going with actually a voice actor. That's probably I, smart. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Good call. Be a cool project. Like, it's a different tone for oh, the yeah. movie. I want to change my answer. I just want Chris Pratt to do Bulka. Oh, God. Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. And we're canceled. He's just like, hey, I'm Bulka. I'm going to cast some spells. Some hey. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So bad. Uh, anyway. uh, David? Yes. Self-insert? Right? You? That's your answer? Yeah. Yeah, I... I that's fine. I can't come up with anything else. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to give you one more chance. <laughs> to be cool. I know You're that, like, the rest of us. It almost sounds ominous. <laughs> I know, I doesn't to it? Give you Who does a good southern chance. You can do a good southern accent. But uh you McGregor, how about we want to do it? Ooh, that's not bad. Ooh, that's that is good. That's true. That's not a nice bad. southern accent. That's, that's a good that's Very a good call. You and McGregor's a good call. Yeah. And he's way too tall. He's got the charm. What a great fucking cast. <laughs> right? There you go. Francis McDormand, Ewan McGregor, Robbie Coltrane, and Mila Kunis. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you're Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt's the oh, <laughs> Rob Paulson. Oh, Rob Paulson. Sorry. Rob Paulson. Same thing. <laughs> Rob oh, Paulson boy. for everything else. For James, who is your favorite NPC slash NPC voice? Any particular inspirations for voices that you want to share? Uh, favorite NPC. Well, you said Gary. Before. Gary, absolutely. Um, NPC voice. Uh, Arbogazer was really good. That was a really hard voice. Always fun to do. Gnomes. To do, yeah. yeah I really love gnomes. I really like the evolution of voices that happen because normally you come up with them on the spot if you're like me. Um, And then the more you do them, the more it kind of devolves into a more natural cadence and tone. Um, If you go back and you listen to the first time Vrix talks, um, completely different to what I do for Vrix now and the same thing for Hatch and probably Gary. The, what I do for my voices and trying to keep them all lined up in my head and how I tend to come up with my voices is I will picture the the character I am trying to emulate and I start with like a physical description and how they look and keeping that picture in my mind while I am trying to find the voice really helps me narrow down 
what it should be and what it should sound like. That's what I do for all my voices is I, I have a physical picture of what the character looks like. And then I just start experimenting with my mouth, uh, saying different words and phrases until I find something that just feels right. It's a good way to do it. I think so. It's worked so far. Who did the character arts? Uh, official character art for what we have now up on Dimension Door for the main podcast was done by Hanzo. And we've linked to the Instagram and the Facebook for Hanzo in several places. Yeah. But if you want to get a hold of Hanzo, we're always happy to throw that link your way. Absurdly well priced. Yeah. Need to charge more, honestly, yeah. and is charging more now than we good. when we got them. Good Thank goodness. Him. Because it was way too good of a deal. No, it was it was way too good. For for what we got, it was it was so inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then who did the character art for Severed Fate? And for the the norm yeah Thiago Morta um, and then I know it's not part of the question but all of our cover art is done by the fantastic Ethan Scott yep. yes yeah he he has a really good eye for graphic design mm-hmm which, uh, if quick throw a plug in there, because it's still going to be live, but the yeah. Kickstarter of Ethan Scott's graphic novel for Friday the 13th oh, shit. is kickstarting right mm-hmm. now. Nice. And I am writing a soundtrack mm-hmm. to accompany the graphic novel. Nice. If you check Very the cool. Dimension Door Twitter, uh, we did tweet out the link for that Kickstarter. I appreciate that. So you Thank can you. follow that. And yes, Jason Rises is the name. Throw some po- support to Ethan and to Zach that way. It's yeah. pretty cool though. If you like horror, like if you like slasher films, he is a huge fan and he tried really hard to make this book mm-hmm. feel like a movie that could have existed between part one and part two of Friday the 13th. That's and awesome. I think, was it the $10 tier is all you need to get in at to get the download for the soundtrack and the PDF of the book? Like physical things I think are higher, but- This puts a lot of pressure on me to make a good soundtrack. But like that tier, like if you just want that, like the really music and the book, that's, that's really yeah, yeah. So. It, it's he's done several Kickstarters. They've all been funded. Like he knows exactly what to do and how to like play the Kickstarter game and yeah. make it yeah. make it worth people. I will say while. I have successfully received some cool stuff from the one Kickstarter that I put in for that he was nice. running. So, so uh, Elizabeth, uh, Addy wants to know: Do you actually speak Russian? Because your accent is great, and you slip in words here and there that actually feel and sound so natural. Oh, this means a lot. That's right sweet. here. Because my my voice and accent, like, I'm very self-critical and not confident in my vocal skills. Uh, I do not speak Russian. I did teach myself some phrases so that I could use those phrases as Vasilisa. And I, of course, have known for decades now what Suka means because I played <laughs> Dota and I have been called Suka so many times. Uh, in that game bitch. indeed um, so I do not actually speak Russian to get my accent right I took the approach of instead of just looking up people trying to mimic Russian accents I looked up what are some of the common pronunciation quote-unquote problems that people who speak Russian natively who are learning English as a second language have because I knew as an That's ESL teacher from when I was teaching uh, English as a second language in China, a lot of being a good teacher is knowing what are the common problems with pronunciation in English when that you have Chinese as your native tongue. So I thought, okay, 
there has to be some great advice for that. And if I just ignore all of the advice and lean into the problems, yeah. then lean I'll sound like odd. Russian sound with like a English language. as a second Reverse language. Reverse engineer it. Yeah. yeah. Really so that good. was my it. technique. That's great. That's fucking wonderful. Yeah. Um, inspired by uh, Nikki's question, Limey Jade, over on our Discord, uh, something that I don't think we've actually ever settled. Uh, what are we calling the fandom? Uh, some things oh, people have know. proposed. Door jams, door hole, dimensionites, door knobs, DDers, team pixie sprites, dimension dorks, average door enjoyer. I feel like we need to like put up a poll or something. I think the <laughs> fans should name themselves. Yeah, yeah. That, that's yep. normally you how it goes. You guys need to pick. Uh, any you guys of those just need, so here's what you guys need laugh. to do. You guys need to unionize and then come up with uh, like in a very democratic process or whatever what you call yourselves, and then we accept it. You I like, like dimension dorks. I, come I, up with a I like dimension, dimension dorks because it's spelled D O O R K S yes. instead of yeah. D O R K S. I do love that. I, I you love pronounce it because it's like a door. Yeah, that's I, cute. It's I like good. the play on words that that is. Yeah. yeah. Well, how do you think? How did it work with you? I mean, you when we started off Severed Fate. We, oh, I forced that name yeah. onto everybody. Yeah. They didn't choose. You, they didn't you, get to you choose. are my lovely darklings. That's, that's, that's so all there good, is though. to it. But that's just so good. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't have. And anything we didn't do that. So now we're <laughs> fucked. Now we have to let the fans. <laughs> yeah. Now it's 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 in their control. Greetings, Dimension Dorks. That's the only problem with Dimension Dorks is it is a little... A lot of these do feel very, like, slightly insulting. Sup, doorknobs? Yeah. <laughs> Dimension Dorks. Hey there, dorks. door hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might want to pick Some something for yourselves door. that doesn't sound like we're insulting you every time we address <laughs> you. We would appreciate that just for the, uh, I'd say optics, yeah. but it's yeah. mostly, like, audio, but Positivity. still, you know, yeah. we'd like to not Although insulting you I call myself you a dork all the time. Yeah, that's so why I'm fine maybe with that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway, uh, here's a complicated question. Uh-oh. We have now switched over into questions from uh, other community member, Casual Chaos. Oh, okay. <laughs> when will you switch to weekly so you can finish by 2024, <laughs> 2025? Casual Chaos is trying to kill me. I... <laughs> I know you are all very busy, but is there any possibility Dimension Door could become weekly? What would it take for it to become weekly? How many friends do you have? Money. To yeah, subscribe get all your friends. Money. Yeah. If it's you go over to no, our no Patreon, joke. I calculated it out, and it costs us $2,000 a month to produce two episodes, assuming we pay everybody involved minimum wage. And we did a, a breakdown calculating approx, and it's very approximate. Yeah. Approximately how many hours of effort each of us put in, and Zach obviously has the bulk of that with the editing. Yeah. In addition to being here to record things. Yeah. So I think a lot. Yeah, money. We need money. Money. That's that's <laughs> what it comes down to. It, it, but it we is literally money. a funding goal yeah. to pay at that level, and maybe eventually, if we can pay Zach. <laughs> that would change things, but yeah. until then, yeah, I, I think that's the big thing. Like, if we actually had money to devote to paying ourselves and specifically Zach to give him more time to devote to editing without needing to look at other financial sources of income, I think it becomes a lot more feasible. Um, and then just being able to crank out like on long days, do a bunch of multiple yeah. sessions, do a yeah. lot of multiple sessions yeah. because the other thing that's kind of tricky to record and do episodes every week is David's traveling schedule yep. for work. Mm -hmm. And I don't see I, that being something that is going to change anytime soon. I can see it 
getting worse it's potentially. Gonna yeah. get more intense, yeah. not and less so intense. Yeah. Something bad having, is gonna happen to having the ability <laughs> oh. to. Oh. I hope not. I hope uh, not having having the ability to devote funds to us for like, hey, we need to just like record uh, for a weekend and try and knock out like four, six episodes. Money can mm-hmm. help buy us time. And yeah. it's really, Money it's really can buy us Our time. constraint is really time. Yeah. So that's... Yeah. Exactly. There's not an easy way to fix that. No. Without lots of piles of money. Yeah. So... <laughs> I feel like Casual Cast was trying to ask, like, what can I do? If you but want there's really to... No, if you want to give us a shit ton of money... love to <laughs> yeah. check us out. Win spread the, the word. Yeah, spread the word. Spread yeah. the word. Yeah. If you know anyone who would like to throw us sponsorships or affiliate mm-hmm. deals... There you go. We're always happy to take those. We it's love a good those. point. Those are always helpful. I mean, another another thought too. There to respond to the question is, we would love to do more often. We would we would love to be able to do that. Yeah, like yeah. absolutely. All of us, I think, would. Enjoy I think we're that. we're all very willing to to be able to do a weekly show. It's just that this is a hobby for this, us. This right is something now. we do in our spare we're time. We're burning yeah. out off of having the time and finances to do this, not off of enjoying doing yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah we like love playing. We love each other. We would love to give you what we you We also want. love being able to pay to live. Yeah. Those are just the problems. <laughs> so <laughs> money is of the money. The answer to your question is money. It would <laughs> take money. Can he, could casual chaos do something like switch capitalism, turn capitalism into something different? Yeah. And so, okay, Implement so money socialism. or revolution. <laughs> Yes. We, we are <laughs> ready are for the anti-capitalist <laughs> revolution. So yep. if you want to invite us to your planning groups, sign up to the guillotine tier of our tape Patreon. I don't know. <laughs> Love it. The guillotine tier. We went deep on that one. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, there's your there's your answer. We would love to. It's not feasible right now. We need money and time. Uh, next question. Why did Granny Nan have a fire spell in her book if she's a winter witch? Is she actually a winter witch or just a witch? Uh, she is a winter witch. There is nothing in the winter witch prestige class or archetype that restricts your spell use. It only gives you boosts to spells with the cold subtype. Yeah. Interesting. So yes, you, you are able so to. So you can cast but any witch spell. But Vasilisa made it clear that like you're shunned, though, or that it's it's not a good look. Well, the main thing that Vasilisa was shunned for that she failed being a winter witch for is that she sucked Couldn't do at ice. casting the cold descriptor spells. And they should be good at it if they're winter witches. And you're right? supposed yeah. to be extra sense. good at the cold descriptor spells. So we probably and she does away have some spells she couldn't have got yeah. away with that yeah. are because of her summer patron. So casting Goodberry or Flaming Sphere, I think it is actually. Like there's a couple spells that she only has as a witch because of the summer patron. Yeah. Those absolutely would have raised some red flags. You no can't be winter a winter witches. witch. Yeah. That's not one of our spells. Right. Yeah. Uh, but burning hands is absolutely an any witch, it's a witch not spell. patron yeah. specific. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, moving on to Prince Casper, did the Winter Wolf have anything important to say, <laughs> or is she only in the adventure to interrupt the party? Another section uh, where there's a lot on the cutting room floor there. And yeah. I will say, because we had to go back, yeah. looking back and rereading from three different books, mind you. All the information that Paizo has about winter wolves, we did get a correction that turned out true and weird and interesting, pointed out to us in our Discord. Turns out winter wolves have weirdly malleable mouths as wolves that allow them to speak human languages in wolf form. So she could have been in wolf form 
and still talked to us in Halit or Scald okay. or yeah. whatever. Because in most of Pathfinder, that's not a How thing. We, yeah, animals and, and animals. Yeah. Yeah. But it's in one of the many places they talk about it and only one of those places. So you yeah. have to dig for it. It's like, they have oddly malleable jowls that I'm let just, them huh. make the sounds of the human dogs, languages. Right. Yeah. Like, kind of making words. So, so technically, she could have still yeah. talked to us. I, I mean, she was there to kind of interrupt the party, yeah. 100%. <laughs> uh, the, the whole thing going on with that wolf in right the forest in the merchant square is that she was sent in with a contingent of other like officers and soldiers to like help clear out the place and everyone died but her. And so she oh. sees these like humans and like not spooky fae people coming across. Her whole goal was to run out, commandeer you guys usurp herself as like I'm in charge I'm an official officer you're just civilians and we're getting out of here she was gonna try to deputize us yeah she was gonna try and deputize you guys to take her out of the forest like escape oh. but she had to ta- say it all as a wolf though because of the regional because mm. yeah. of the area we were in yeah but and then she got attacked by that thing and we Paraton and yeah, we ran away Paraton. and let you her guys be ran away yeah. she, <laughs> fuck that no she <laughs> casualty shit. of yeah. forest a casualty of the forest yeah. everyone follow um, me I'm going this way yeah <laughs> so so that's Good what happened with, that. with her. Um, Book Gamer Two Hundred asks, which place or places would you not want to be stuck in? Vasilisa doesn't want to be stuck in Irisin. I feel like this is like a question that <laughs> for us, yeah, or for but our characters. As, as a player, as a person who plays, not just as a player, as a person, as a human being, I don't like to be stuck anywhere too long like i don't like the feeling of confinement i'm a homebody don't get me wrong i'm disabled i sit at home all the time but i don't like feeling stuck anywhere in particular i like knowing i could go somewhere if i chose someplace that's dirty and loud though that's the nightmare a dirty loud place doesn't matter what kind of place if it's dirty and or loud not no I get stuck in airports all the time, so yeah. I'm, I'm just Nightmare. It, yeah. It, I'm used to them now, so yeah. if I was going to be stuck somewhere, it's just going to be an airport because it's where I'm stuck all the time anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, Valdine uh, probably would not want to be stuck anywhere. I think he would enjoy that, like the freedom, especially with his imprisonment in his past. I, I feel like funny. Everyone yeah. likes freedom. I, I think <laughs> he feels like he has to keep moving. Too. Yeah, he grass does not grow under his feet. He's yeah. got to keep moving. Huh. Well, as Amanda, I think I relate a lot to the characters <laughs> because me and cold do not get along <laughs> and there were quite a few years there where jackson was into ice skating and i'm like of course my son <laughs> course. in the hottest place in, in the country wants to be an ice skater <laughs> so i'm stuck for hours in this just cold i hate the cold mm-hmm. i don't do cold well because i've southern california and the deserts of arizona my whole life so very very thin blood mm-hmm. i um, liked it because i could wear my cool leather jacket in arizona even in the summertime because yeah. like well, yeah, that's right. I just feel like I could never actually get warm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, it, no matter how many layers I'm wearing, I'm still cold. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still there. Um, and then I, I guess for me, uh, loud, uh, any place where there's a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. It just from with my hearing loss because that means I can't actually function as a person if right. there's too much noise going on. I cannot follow conversations. I cannot talk to people and and hear answers i can't 
locate exactly what's going on around me because my ears jumble it all, my brain jumbles it Mind all. Melting. So the yeah. real nightmare would be like a cold. If there noisy was like place. an ice bar that's got a DJ that's just blasting music at you, music's but, not so bad. It's when there's a lot of people talking. No, yeah, just and talking the loud, full, the like a rave. The yeah. over, yeah. Bar. yeah, exactly. I don't know, man. Um, no, <laughs> yeah. in in game, I would not want to be stuck with Herbert. And it was a beautiful clearing. Yeah, it's wonderful. Good, the weather's good nice. Choice. Uh, I agree. But if I had to be stuck there forever, that would get old. Yeah. yeah. Like just this guy keeps wanting to like watch me while he masturbates or whatever he's doing. I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. just this 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 nope. uh, relentless. He yeah. seemed like a very relentless NPC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's a good point. So I don't, True. So as wonderful as that location was, I would not want to be stuck with <laughs> Herbert. In real life, I don't know. There's so many horrible places on the planet. True. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want Antarctica. There you go. <laughs> I don't want to be stuck in Antarctica. My my answer is both like me, James, as a person, but also like in the game. Um, it's the same answer, which is uh, I never want to be stuck in analysis paralysis. Ooh, you went deep on that one. I I is that hate a location? it. It's a state of it's mind. It's a state of, of it's a state of being. Space. Like when you're just circular arguments about what to do next and you can't come up with a definitive decision of what to do and you just sit there and it stews and you just wait and it's like, okay, everyone has good points. You still have to decide. Yeah. Like there's no clear answer. And especially when you're playing a game, it feels like there should be a clear answer. It feels like there should be enough based evidence to have a correct decision but a lot of times when analysis paralysis happens there is no correct decision it is several choices with a lot of unknowns yep and you mm -hmm. just have to pick one yeah. making yep. decisions with imperfect knowledge yes yep. and that and is yeah such a painful <laughs> place to be because it feels so boggy and people are like there's so much heated emotion in it too because people are uh, like, yeah. oh, but what about this? A we lot can't do of that. my least favorite moments at various gaming tables have been those moments of like discussing the situation as a party turns into two hours later. Okay, but what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and then you roll a die. We still yeah. don't know. Yeah. yeah. So analysis yeah. paralysis is like my least favorite thing to deal with as a game master because you can't do anything about I it. I feel like we haven't really had that. Not at this table. In, in, yeah. in either game. No. Even the times no, we when haven't. we've had questions about what to do, we in character argue about what to do. Until we get and to And we don't yeah. argue yeah. for an extremely prolonged no. amount of time. No. No, because we're in really character. Nice. We don't yeah. want to do it. For yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Let's yeah. get out of here. Yeah. So, but it's it's happened multiple times at other tables that I've run and I feel so out of control because <laughs> I can't be like, okay, this, okay, this, pick one. I just have to let them continue until they come to a decision themselves because I don't want to railroad them. I mean, you could always just, if they take too long, attack them with something. Yeah, or you, you could. You can punish them for <laughs> taking not, too long. You spent too long yeah. thinking. Yeah. Consequences for letting time pass. And then our life. last questions come from a fairly new listener, Kieran, Ooh. who has a couple questions. They're not caught up through season two yet. But I, okay. I believe Kieran uh, jumped on pretty early and then he said he had a a job change and hasn't been able to podcast, mm -hmm. but ours was the first podcast he wanted to jump back into Aww, now that thanks, he has time. Karen. Thank you. And yeah. has listened far enough that he's started book two. Probably won't catch up with the end until a little bit in the future, but had some questions, questions for us anyway. Yeah. yeah. 
Kieran says, I'd like to know, did the idea for Belor, the fake Argentine number one, come from the doppelganger in the Pale Tower, or was it separate inspiration? So Belor was obviously the woman you guys rescued yeah. in the High Sentinel Lodge. The Lodge, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then the doppelganger in the Pale Tower towards the end of the book that you guys came across, which looked like another Argenti. The idea from Belor came because we recorded episode nine and then oh, yeah. the audio was corrupted. That's right. We had to redo it. And we had to redo the whole episode. And I wanted to throw in different things um, to keep the players on their toes and have it be exciting and interesting because I didn't want to play through the same old thing because everyone knew what was going to happen. And I didn't feel like it would be an authentic recording and performance from us um and that's just one of the things that i i changed i'm like okay so we're gonna redo this i'm gonna make it so that the person that they're rescuing isn't actually the person they're rescuing i'm gonna change her face off yeah she rips her face off i'm gonna change (laughs) one or two more things i'm gonna throw a loop into what uh happened behind the scenes it is supposed to be the regular argentine that you guys rescue um that is something written in the book is that is the point where that happens um but i wanted to change it so it wasn't so straightforward especially for the second time through Uh, and that's when i came up with this idea that actually she has a body double uh very like princess amidala yeah Yeah. very well done yeah you just absolutely so that that's where that came from. I didn't know about the doppelganger. So that's um, just like a happy surprise. That's just a happy surprise oh, wow, later on neat. that fit in really, really that's well. Cool. The doppelganger is written into the book that she is there practicing to take over for Argenti back in. Um, so you're a prophet. Taldor. You're like an oracle. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, <laughs> I wonder what curse you have. I don't know. <laughs> Dyslexia, I think. <laughs> How many curses? Let me count the um, which I thought was a fantastic question because I had never yeah. linked the connect two those two yeah. dots. Um, so good job, Kieran. That's smart, yeah, prop smart look. And then we kind of covered this. Kieran says, "I'd like to ask the cast where your characters' voices, mannerisms inspired by particular characters and actors, like how Norman Marge were inspired by Fargo." Well, see, I don't have to answer because I'm still Marge. Yeah, yeah. you're and still yeah, Marge. Inspired by Fargo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and my name, Norm's name, was from Fargo, but I like the, yeah. the character was was kind of like the dad from uh, Happy Days, was I was going for Tom Bosley. Nice. What about? And you said Bulka was uh, Robbie Coltrane. Uh, lots of different Russian accents that I picked up in my twenties, but yeah, Robbie Coltrane from from Golden Eye specifically, mm-hmm. him doing a Russian accent. Nice. That Valdina was really. Clint Eastwood. I mean, it was yeah. the, it was the just that iconic gunslinger. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was kind of where I was going with it. And but I didn't have a particular character or actor that inspired Vasilisa in terms of voice or mannerisms. I took her uh, name from a Russian Baba Yaga fairy tale. Someone which, else caught that, right? Didn't one of our yeah. listeners catch that like a year? A long it's time called ago? Vasilisa the Beautiful, and Vasilisa is a girl who's sent to get something from Baba Yaga and has to trick Baba Yaga in order to escape with her life. Uh, So it's been kind of funny to me knowing that background for my choice of the character name that we are actually working for Baba Yaga (laughs) so far. Uh, Because that's kind of I'm like, do I eventually need to pull out some Vasilisa-style trickiness to extricate ourselves from Baba Yaga later? But we'll find out. Yeah. 
Uh, and that's it. That's the last question. Nice. Good uh, anybody have any closing thoughts, questions, things that haven't been answered you would like answers to? I do want to say, so we don't forget, we should do the random drawing to see who wins oh, our yes. giveaway. Yeah. From all of our lovely audience who send us questions. There are eight people who so have we're sent roll in questions. D8. Oh, oh, here we go. What is it? Four. It looks like a four. Four. One, two, three, four. Addie! All right! We can actually hand this off to them in person. Yeah, that's perfect. Because they're local. They're local. Nice. Perfect. Okay, Addie, congratulations. You uh, get to name the owl, and you'll also be receiving a a one-of-a-kind handmade uh, ceramic mug. Yay! Good job! But thank you to everyone who sent questions. Yeah! Holy cow! You guys, you you. came up with a lot of stuff that I think we would have missed, Yeah, um, Yeah, which is great. That's why we love the community interaction. I actually want to do this bookend as a live listen. Oh, that'd be fun, yeah. Because uh, I want to see if anyone has follow-up questions for that'd us really from good. our audience. Oh, yeah. They can ask us while we're all listening. That's so true, yeah. That's a good idea. Hopefully everyone's listening to this uh, with us right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, live listen. It would be really nice to have live listens. I think that we want to work on revamping our merch Yep, merch situation. is in process of getting re just basic stat stuff yeah. like our our listens are uh approach we've yeah. just crested forty five thousand. yeah we're actually just since we looked yesterday went up from forty five thousand to forty five thousand nine hundred forty two we're, we're, we're almost at forty six thousand nice okay. yeah. what's uh just run us through, run us through some stats elizabeth okay yeah. let's, let's uh close out with some uh some good numbers we almost have forty six thousand total listens for the dimension door podcast in the past week alone our seven day listens are about 560 oh nice our season two finale episode has 261 listens and as of this recording day it was just published four days ago oh wow so we have the usual arc of lots of listens at our very first episode and then it kind of declines but overall our listening audience is growing so we're slowly gaining new audience members and we're still watching people catching up as yeah. they listen through season one and season two so mm-hmm. it's cool watching people catch up and then become current because we can watch that last number for our most recent like in the Continue past three to. episodes it kind of starts to plateau at a certain number which is i think how we calculate unique listeners yeah and interestingly you can watch people catching up but are fully caught up people that by the time bookend comes out will probably have listened is closer to 300 so that's our kind of fully caught up audience there's about 300 of you and then we've got for older episodes i think there's some favorites people have re-listened to a bunch Mm -hmm. but we're closer to 600 in terms of you can watch people steadily catching up so nice pretty incredible pretty cool that, that is really awesome good. yeah yeah it, it the numbers are very interesting because if we look at a lot of other podcasts within our circle their numbers are higher but their ratios are lower they have fewer individual audience members but they have way more episodes in a short time because they are weekly, weekly. Released. yeah mm-hmm. so with our bi-weekly release it's really impressive to have these numbers yeah if if we were releasing as much as they were our numbers would be higher than them and i think that's a reflection of how high (laughs) our uh 
quality is. Yes. We're putting the time and effort into editing and composition. And I say we, but it's mostly Zach. Zach, yeah. <laughs> and I think that reflects in terms of our total audience. Yeah, for uh, sure, yeah. for sure. I gotta be honest, there's times, because it is a lot of work, but there's times when I'm like, well, if I just didn't do this, would people still like the show? Like, could I just, could you just put this out and would people still enjoy it? Am I wasting my time <laughs> cutting all these ums and ahs? I think it, it, it's leaps and bounds. I love yeah. it. I, I, I've spent a lot of time listening to podcasts, specifically within the tabletop RPG mm-hmm. sphere, and I really, really love the way our show is structured. Ours our show is, is my one favorite of the show. Best edited <laughs> because I of love all of the actual plays. I our production to. value is it's so good through the roof. It's so good. The, yeah. the only show I know of that does production value higher than us is fucking Dark Dice and Travis Vengroff. Yeah. And like that's, 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 I can't touch it. There might be a couple more that I'm for (laughs) forgetting about, but that is like the separation of tier that I see is like, there's us. And then if you want to get to a higher quality, just production wise in the time we spend doing the music, the editing, taking the time to balance everything out, the voice effects, the sound effects, the Foley, everything like that. It's Dark Dice. Like that, that's where I am in my brain. (laughs) And it's it's a big difference because there's a lot of shows out there that'll just record. They'll put it out without being edited, balanced. But some of those are successful, though. Some, some of them yeah. are successful. Yes. So could we just do that and I wouldn't even have to work? <laughs> we, well, <laughs> could we be one of those? I don't, one of those I, don't, I think we're good enough here sitting at the table. I feel like to the less edited you are, the more willing you have to be to like dress up and do it just as a live stream. Yeah. Like they Ooh, need to be scary. able to see you play. To be engaged. And There's even then, there are so many of those. I, I like the niche we feel fill, really. I think we're doing it really well. I, me too. I really have always liked radio plays and yeah. audio dramas. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, this is kind of leans way more towards yeah. that. I, I love how clean the final product is. Yeah. It's just... Uh, True well, that. And we're going to probably almost certainly have 50,000 listens by the end of this year. Which is a like really nice solid milestone. Yeah, yeah that's to really be good. hitting. So can we then and that number is big enough that we can then go to somebody and say, Give us money. We're getting close. If We're we can get close, to the yeah. point and and this is something no one knows what the magic number is, but the rumors in the podcasting sphere are that if you are averaging a thousand listens per episode or a thousand listens per week, depending on how you want to calculate it, then you typically can reach out and start talking about becoming an official Paizo partner if you're interested. That'd be dope. Or start talking about like really getting some of the bigger sponsorships. We could be getting sponsorships at the level we're at now. I need to be better about reaching out. And again, if you want to throw us some leads, (laughs) that would be great. If we wanted to, we're big enough that we could probably find people who'd be willing to pay for ads if that's something we're interested in, which is a whole other discussion. Yeah. But in terms of where we are, like for like a milestone to kind of aim for goals wise, if we can get to the point where we average a thousand listens a week, then I think that that is a point. Two thousand an episode. Well, a thousand a week is actually like. That's going to be people like catching up a thousand an episode or a thousand a week. And we might hit a thousand a week before we hit a thousand average per episode just because of the people catching up in the backlog. 
if we hit that, then that's big enough that we might even start seriously talking about, do we want to apply for an official partnership with Paizo? Yes. So. Right? <laughs> right? The answer just is saying. yes. No, I'm, just, it's, I'm glad out of all the different TTRPG companies, like I, I'm glad that it's Paizo that we're playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. No, I, they don't I, let me down nearly as often as no. some of the other ones would. God, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're doing good things over there. Go support Paizo. Paizo Publishing, their world is my favorite thing about their game system, and they have so many Great game world. systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the lore, the world building, everything they do over there. Uh, thank you, Paizo, for just being fucking great and <laughs> awesome. Yes. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for sitting down and having questions. And I hope you guys are excited as I am about... We have no idea what's about to happen. Book three. Yeah, we don't. Uh, you, yeah, you, you don't. And I've told you that. Yeah, all of you were wrong. Um, and I'm so <laughs> excited uh, for you guys to see where this adventure is going. And I am also so excited for you, dear listener. <laughs> uh, make sure you check us out on Patreon and you can become an executive producer just like David Lester and Callie Rose. Yeah. Of course, the editing for this production is done by the wonderful Zach Kreitler. Music also done by Zach Kreitler. <laughs> Audio effects from... From Sirenscape, and our bumper tracks are from MDK Music. Press start. We'll see you next time on the Dimension Door Podcast. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Book ended. Book ended. Book ended. Book ended. Never again. Let's go. I'm never doing that book again. Me so. <laughs> Probably All not. Rad. Probably not. Probably not.